Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. All right. Hello, hello, everyone. Thank you for joining, as always. Interesting episode here today where I talk with a man who it's his job to go into people's homes and show them where the sources of EMF frequencies and dirty electricity and all this stuff is coming from in their home and come up with solutions to fix it or mitigate it or reduce it. And of course, this is an important issue to me. I've been speaking out against EMF and radiation for a long time. I'm in the health business selling supplements primarily, but I've known that this is a big problem for a long time. And it's very hard to convince people often that this is a problem and that they should do something about it and that they should reduce their exposure and stop using Bluetooth headphones and all of this stuff. A lot of people want to believe that if you just eat well or take the right supplements that you don't have to worry about EMF. Well, that's 100% not true. And this episode will give you some ideas on what the worst sources are and what you can do about it. Now, I'm not going to read you any ads here other than to tell you that, of course, you can see everything that I do on my website, notusbooks.org. That's all the books that I've written, the free versions of my books, the audiobook version. You can find all of that on my website, as well as hundreds of book reviews. Many of them are on health in general and EMF specifically. There's an EMF category in the review section. You can also find all of my social media accounts, all the Instagram and YouTube and all that stuff, my contact information, everything's on the website, as well as an archive of these podcasts and some other stuff. I'm slowly updating the archive to include videos as well, but right now, all of the podcast episodes and even ones that have not been posted here to podcast land since we got taken down earlier this year, 2023, I haven't reposted everything to the podcast, but many lost episodes, they are on the archive. And there's a special treat at the end of the episodes. If you do listen to the archive version or you download it there, you can download them for free. 
Once again, all of that is on notusbooks.org. And this podcast also is kind of an ad for Mike here in his business, Safeguard Solutions in Ontario, Canada. And I know most of you guys do not actually live in Ontario. Maybe you know someone who does. I encourage you to tell them about this service. After this episode, I finally rebought an EMF meter. I haven't had one in several years. Because I know that EMF is everywhere, but my wife kind of thinks I'm crazy for this. So getting the meter actually was a good thing. Just like what Mike does. He goes into people's homes and shows them where the EMF is. Well, we've been using this meter in the car and around the different rooms in our house. And my wife has really realized, oh, you know, some of these things I've been saying for a long time. It's actually true. It's showing up on the meter. Oh, this thing is bad. Oh, sitting next to this outlet. It's got lots of EMF. Oh, the car gives off EMF, etc. Something about seeing it visually really makes it easy to wake people up and do something about it. Even the kids have been asking to use the meter and see what's up in their bedroom and when they're charging their phones and whatever. And I do ask a favor of you. If you guys appreciate this podcast, I ask you to give Mike a follow on Instagram. His account is in the description of this podcast. And I'll tell it to you here. It's safe underscore guard underscore solutions. He's got a small following, but he's a real nice man. And I think his business is important in the first place. And it can be really hard to gain a following. So even if you aren't in Ontario, I'd appreciate you giving him a follow. And you might learn about some EMF sources that you did not know about. And of course, you're going to hear all about his business in this episode, so let's jump in. Mike from Safeguard Solutions, thank you so much for coming. I invited you on because I really want to hear more about what you do in your business. Roughly as I understand it, you go into people's homes, identify the sources of EMF, and... I guess, teach them, sell them how to make it better. I'm not sure. I want to throw it right over to you, Mike. How did you get into this? How long have you been in this? And what do you do? Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's very nice to meet you. I've been in this now for about uh, four or five years. And I started off uh, with doing a few courses with building biology and working with a uh, local supplier of electromagnetic field uh, measurement meters and shielding supplies. So I got a really deep background on how to properly shield against the different areas of EMF, right? Whether it be uh, RF, which is the wireless radiation or magnetic fields or electric fields. And then I actually got a lot deeper into it. And I find that the deeper I got into it, the more I wanted to know. So it definitely really is a rabbit hole to go down. And there's a lot of information out there but all my training is with the Building Biology Institute, so that's my number one source. Building biology is a cool word. I just wrote that down. So it is is like the the energy of buildings? It's the health and wellness of buildings, right? Hmm. So we we go into homes, we go into commercial buildings, offices, and we measure the amount of EMFs. We also do air quality and, and mold testing as well. So it's uh, the health and wellness of the building as a uh, a whole. And um, we identify the areas where uh, there's danger. And uh, we work to get those uh, areas brought back down to much healthier levels. Very cool. I didn't know you did mold as well. 
Yeah, yeah. We actually just uh, branched out into that uh, not too long ago. So that that side of it is still kind of new to us. But it's definitely, you know what, mold is an area nowadays where um, it needs to be very closely paid attention to. A lot of people have mold and they don't even know it. Right. Um, So I get a lot of calls from clients that are having breathing issues or their kids are always sick or they're having skin issues. Those are the most common complaints, right? Well, what we do is we go in and we test the air. So we test the air for formaldehyde. We test the air for particulates. We test the air for uh, VOCs, uh, radon. Uh, and then again, we, we as while we're doing that, we do all the mold inspection as well. So we're checking the attic for the mold. We're checking areas under the sinks and the bathroom, stuff like that. Because those are all breathing issues. See, all of that stuff, the mold, you can sometimes visually see it. Sometimes you can't. Sometimes it's just airborne. The uh, electromagnetic fields and air quality, these are all invisible things that can only be detected with uh, with meters, right? So that's what we specialize in. We do complete scans of the homes from top to bottom. We figure out what's going on, and then we work to uh, remediate. That's very cool. Honestly, I'm learning about your business at the same time here. And part of the reason is you operate in Ontario, Canada. Most of our listeners, they're scattered all over the world, but a lot of them are from Ontario. I'm from Ontario. And I'd like someone to recommend. This is even better than I thought because it would be very annoying to hire one group of people to come in and do your EMF scanning and and solutions and another one to come in for mold and air quality and stuff. So you guys are kind of like a one-stop shop for cleaning up your house. Yeah, Yeah, we are. Yeah, and I mean, as well, our company, like I... uh, do a lot of pre-sale home inspections as well. So I work with a lot of realtors. So with clients, when they are looking to buy homes or sell homes, or, um, you know, a lot of people call us for like power line readings. If they, if they're looking to buy a home, they want to know, is it safe? There's power lines nearby. So we go in and we do all those measurements. Same thing with cell towers as well, right? How close is it? What are the levels like? So we do, uh, we do all that. This is so important too, especially before you buy the house. The last thing you want to do is buy a house and then realize you can't sleep in it or yeah. realize you're getting sick in it or something and you can't and figure exactly out why. What, that's exactly what ends up happening, right? People don't know and they don't want to spend the money to do the uh, investigation ahead of time. Um, but it, it's coming around. We're seeing a big uptick in in knowledge and what people actually are willing to do to protect their families, right? Um, which is which is great because, I mean, that's why we're here. I mean, that, that's something that, like, myself as the owner of the company, we really pride ourselves on making sure that we take care of the families that want and need the help. Yeah, this wasn't on most people's radar even just a, a handful of years ago. I'm, I'm very, very happy to see this becoming a big thing because I, we were talking before we hit record there and... I was saying that yeah, I can hardly even be in a city or a suburb. I don't even want to visit. It drives me nuts. Not everyone's that um, sensitive, but I feel like I've become a lot more sensitive over the years and that it's increased over the recent years just dramatically, dramatically. You know, I grew up, um, I'm not that old here, but I grew up in, in the 90s early 2000s, before everyone had a cell phone in their hand, before smartphones came out. And yeah, the difference is just so big to me in so many different ways, including the sociological ways and how we act, but definitely in cranking up the EMF everywhere. 
these small cell towers everywhere. My mom just moved. She moved out of Pickering, Ontario. She moved out further into the country in Lindsay, Ontario. I couldn't sleep at my mom's house for years. Just I knew I would go there and I would just be getting the most horrible sleeps. I wake up and felt like I didn't sleep at all. And I knew that's what it that's what it was. It was the only explanation. Nothing else really changed. And all she did was move and bam, I can finally sleep there. It's so, so nice. Yeah, it's it's uh yeah, it that that is often one of the uh one of the most common complaints that we get, right? And like I mean, we'll dive into one thing at a time here, but you wouldn't even believe the things that I find and just through like my building biology training and stuff like that, I've kind of uh, come up with uh, ideas and solutions to a lot of these problems. And I have actually uh, products that I've designed as well that actually really make a big difference in terms of uh, helping get rid of those EMFs that are in the bedroom, right? Because building biology, it's really, 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 strongly focused on uh the bedrooms because that's where our bodies go to heal and rest and recover right and without proper rest and proper cover um especially as we start to age right it um really impacts the body and and you hear about a lot you ask if you ask nine out of ten people or if you ask ten people how was your sleep last night probably seven out of ten of them if they're being honest are going to tell you it was terrible Right. And that's simply because the uh, environments that our, our, our homes are in, right, um, contain a lot of smart devices, electronics, right? Even something as simple as having lamps, alarm clocks, heaters plugged in beside the beds, right? These are all things that really deeply impact the way that our bodies shut down. Right. Because our bodies are they're like natural conductors. Right. So our bodies are made up of frequencies and we conduct all of those electric fields. Right. So that's when you start to hear a lot about the earthing and the grounding and stuff like that. Right. And um, it's really, really important to pay attention to this stuff, especially in the bedrooms. Yeah, you you just started off. That's a good way to kick off this this rabbit hole here. So. I had on my list of questions here, what do you think the biggest sources are in the homes? But I'd like to preface that by saying proximity is your enemy. The closer you are to these devices, the worse it is for you. So even if you have a major source, such as a refrigerator or freezer, when the compressor's running, and I'll get your opinion on those major appliances, you don't sleep beside your your fridge, right? But you can sleep beside a little digital alarm clock and not think anything of it. People don't think Oh, it's it's a small little device. What could it possibly be doing? So, what's up? How do you how do you see these things comparing? What are the worst devices? What are the worst sources in the home? So, the number one worst source, right? I'll I'll, I'll jump right to the top is the modem, right? The modem in our homes, and I can tell you, like uh, at least six out of ten homes that I go into, especially smaller homes, whether they're condos or or bachelor apartments, um they have these they have the modems close by to the bedrooms right and um i mean a lot of people put them in their offices right but these things are pumping out like up to 2 million microwatts per meter squared and i mean the the target by building biology standards is about 100 right and and people don't know any different 
right? So you said it's two million, two two million. That's what that's what I'm seeing. Yeah, that's what I'm seeing. So like through testing, I'm I'm getting testing up to two million microwatts, and it's pretty standard uh, that to to see those kind of levels off of these modems, right? And um, I actually design a. Uh, I'm not sure if you've seen it yet, Ryan, but I've actually designed a modem cover uh, that goes over top of the modem that shields the radiation that comes off these modems, but also allows the Wi-Fi still, right? So in my home, I have one in the basement and I cover my modem with it. And um, we still work from home upstairs and the reception is still there for the Wi-Fi, but it blocks the radiation. I have all the videos and everything like that uploaded on my Instagram uh, to show. And I'm actually in the middle of adding it onto my website too. But the modem is the number one thing that I find in all homes to be the biggest problem. It's very interesting. Let me say too. So you you know a little bit that I'm in the health business. I'm in the nutrition business. I've been trying to speak more and more on EMF because everyone comes to us about nutrients and nutrition is extremely important. Don't get me wrong, but I try and bring this to people's attention that I've been doing this business almost 10 years now. When I first started, the people who trained me used to tell me this business used to be easier. It used to be easier to help people. And that was before, you know, the handheld internet and stuff was completely ubiquitous. This is 10 years ago. Over the last 10 years, I've seen a increase in cases that are tough or impossible to crack. I don't want to say anything's impossible, but people we haven't been able to crack the code. People who, yeah, the recovery is just so much slower than I'm used to. Because I think back eight, seven years ago, not everyone had a modem in their house. We deal with a lot of older people on disability and social security and stuff. It it wasn't a a necessity for them to have a Wi-Fi router. And so they didn't. But now, it feels like you have to have this, you know, and, and all these businesses like yeah. you have to have a smartphone. Some businesses, it, it's hard to even deal with them if you don't have their app downloaded and stuff like yeah, that. Exactly. Very think, about, think about it this way. Down here in Ontario, Rogers and Bell are the biggest, the two biggest uh, communication companies, right? So now, right now, you cannot get TV and internet and telephone without having one of their modems. You can't you can't call them up and be like I want TV only, right? Because what's happening is now they don't have the uh, the the cable. Remember, uh, way back in the day, they used to just have a uh, like TV cable connection, mm-hmm. right? And it was uh, now nowadays everything is run through the internet. So if your internet goes down, you lose everything. Which is why I don't know if you remember a couple years back when Rogers had that big thing happen here in Toronto where their uh, main system shut down and people lost everything. They couldn't communicate. Their cell phones were down. Our cell phones were down. Our TVs were down. Our home phones were down. Everything was down. We couldn't make a phone call. We couldn't connect. We couldn't communicate with the real world. And then Rogers came back out and said, we are making changes to that to make sure this never happens again. But yeah, you're absolutely right. You, you, can't everybody has to have one of these boxes in their home it wasn't even just communication mike businesses couldn't take payments you know atms didn't work exactly wow yeah yeah you can't get your money you can't pay for your gas wow it was a big deal in ontario yeah oh yeah 100 percent. and 
I'm just going to throw this in there. Every opportunity I get, I encourage people to cancel their phone bill. Anyway, I think these are a cartel. Basically, it's extortion. And back in when I was a kid, you could pay 20 bucks and have a phone, right? And nobody pays 20 bucks anymore. And as you said, good luck even just getting one thing from them. You got to buy the whole bundle. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You try and reduce your bill and get get one of them removed. They they made they've packaged it so that it's it's not even worth it. Like I tried to get rid of my home phone because we have cell phones and reduce the bills, but they won't let us do that because they uh, they've packaged it so that you have to. There's no reduction in just taking that off. So, so the modem is the number one source in the house. It is. Yep. Good news is you can shield that. I want to get a little bit more information on that, but you can also turn it off. You were talking about yeah, yeah. how important 100%. the bedroom is. Yep. And that's what a lot of people are doing too, right? Is at nighttime, they shut down the modem. And that is one of the shielding. That's actually one of the remediation strategies that we work with with clients is how to is how to how to do that right so at nighttime some people but it's a it's a it's a it's a major inconvenience to do that as well right to have to shut down the modem at nighttime and restart it again in the morning and wait for it to start up again right um so i mean yeah it's 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 one of those things but some people are okay with doing that and some people uh they, they they don't bother and that's one of the things well i completely agree with you that if there is any time and place to focus on, it's the bedroom and the nighttime, because you're right, it's your healing time. And mm-hmm. if it's easy to clear out your bedroom and all this stuff. And yeah, you, it, this is eight hours. This is like a third of your life that you're spending in your bedroom. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, one third of the problem that you could instantly mediate. You can instantly turn that down. And I, I know it's it's inconvenient when I'm uh, when I'm at my house in Canada. I talk to my wife on the phone at night. I just said I don't pay a phone bill, so I do that through the internet. So yeah, I would mm-hmm. have to go downstairs and, and unplug it. And I've, I have a housemate, and maybe he's still watching, you know, the TV, which also runs on the internet. It is inconvenient. It is, but we can work it out so that it turns off. You could even put a timer on it, right? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Actually, uh, one of my really good clients, uh, they put theirs on a timer. And um, at nighttime, it shuts down. Yep, you can absolutely do that. So your modem cover, if you don't mind, I'd really love people to kind of get an idea of what they're in for price-wise if they're going to implement some of the things we talk about. So what does a modem cover run for? Like on the regular market and and yours? So on the regular market, I mean, it's very similar probably to what mine is. I... I, I, I price mine out at about 100 to $110, depending on the size of the modem, because there are some different size modems, right? Um, Bell is about double the size, so I charge an extra $10 for the for the Bell modems. But for the Rogers Ignite modems, they're, they're nice and small and compact. So those ones go for $100. And um, the one difference, more or less, that I find that you got to be really careful of is the materials that these that these covers are made out of right simply because of the fact that you can buy something on amazon for 30 bucks right but what kind of shielding materials are they using and where do these materials come from right so the material that i'm using it's rated at 120 db right now the average shielding effectiveness of a lot of shielding materials is, is between 32 and 40 db what's right db now. uh db is actually the unit of measurement that they use 
uh, for shielding effectiveness. Okay. Right. So when they do uh, shielding testing, right, to um, they do it in uh, labs where the uh, it's like a Faraday Faraday room, right? Uh, so there's no other signals in the room that are present except for the one that they're trying to generate. The, so they'll they'll generate a 10 gigahertz signal, right? For example, and they'll use the shielding materials to basically see how well that um that that material is blocking the radiation that's coming off of that frequency right so the higher up the uh the higher the higher the frequency sometimes you see the shielding effectiveness drop off a little bit so it, some with testing you'll see at 1 gigahertz this shields at 120 db at 10 gigahertz this shields at 110 dB, for example, right? Um, so these 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 professional laboratories are the ones that are uh, measuring that. Yeah, that's cool though. I didn't know that we could look out for that. So if you see yeah, the cheapest 100%. one on Amazon, it it'll yeah. say. Will it say the rating on it? it? Sometimes they don't even put it in the listing, right? Sometimes what I've noticed is that they'll say, "Please email us or contact us for further information regarding details of this product." So they won't even tell you. So you'd right? call that a red flag? A hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, because uh, like ninety percent of this stuff that that comes in online is is generated from from materials that are made up made from China, right? That are oh made yeah, from, I believe you. Yeah, that's and, and you know what? That's not to that's not to say that the materials they're using are 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 poor or bad, right? Because I'm sure there are some good ones, right? Um, but the one thing that I could tell you about uh, the materials that I use, I I, I source the best and. This stuff works really, really well at shielding against the modem. Cool. I'm very interested. I think I'm going to get one from you myself. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. I, I want to hear more about what you guys do before I get into my questions. So you've already said the router is usually the worst thing in the house. What's what's second and third and fourth? And, and what do you do about them? Yeah, absolutely. So the, I mean, after the router, the the, the next biggest thing is I would say, um, I mean, this is still dealing with RF wireless stuff, right? Um, I would say there, there's a bigger um, problem right now with the amount of devices that we're using in our homes that are using wireless technology, right? I mean, I'm talking things like things you probably wouldn't even know, right? Like our uh, our doorbells, right? The new ring doorbells, right? And then on top of that, you have the uh, the speaker that has to be plugged in so you can actually hear the doorbell ring, right? That works off of Wi-Fi as well. And then you have the thermostats, and then you have the TVs, right? All the TVs now you can't walk into a into a Best Buy or a, or a TV dealer and and buy a buy a TV that's not a smart TV anymore, right? And um, then you're looking at even things like your printers, right? Your printers, your computers, your laptops. They all work off of Wi-Fi. And I mean, with a lot of these things, and a lot of people don't know this, but you can actually go into the settings and turn off the Wi-Fi and the Bluetooth, right? I've walked into clients' homes and they have uh, Wi-Fi on their uh, refrigerators, on their stoves, on their washers and dryers, right? And you wouldn't even believe it. I, I actually saw the other day just a regular air purifier, I was picking up I was picking up major amounts of RF. And then the client said to me, Oh yeah, I, I control that with my phone. And I just looked at him and I was like, Okay, I don't think that is 
really needed. And I showed him the amount of radiation coming off of it. Right. So it's, it's all these little things that are, that are uh, all throughout the entire home. Um, and they really impact uh, the overall, what we call like a total measurement. Right. And um, so that would be, I would say kind of as a group, the second biggest thing there that really is impacting a lot of the EMFs in our homes. But those are all things we invite in. Those, those are not Absolutely. like the wiring in your house. I thought you were going to get to the, like the wiring and the outlets and fridge. And- oh yes. So that that's, that's what we call like low frequency issues. Right. And that that's a whole total, total different bulk. Right. So like, if you want to talk a little bit about wiring, a lot of times people are stuck with the wiring that they have because of the fact that it's existing in the walls, right? Uh, unless you're building a custom home from scratch and you can put in uh, what they call like a, a BX cable, which is like a shielded cable, right? Which blocks the electric fields because the electric fields that that run through the walls, so they do bleed off and that's going into like dirty electricity territory and frequencies. And I'm not sure if you want to get into that later or, but um. It, that's a whole different ballgame, right? But um, yeah, we run into situations too. We get a lot of calls where people um, have uh, panel boxes in bedrooms, in basements where they're building a bedroom. They want to know that it's safe. Their husbands have been sleeping down there and they uh, they don't feel well, right? Um, so we go in and we do testing for that. And we have all kinds of, we have shielding materials that basically block the magnetic fields that come off of these panels. Um, or sometimes you get uh, clients who have panels on the opposite side of the wall of the bedroom, right? Um, I've run into situations where I, I have uh, somebody has their office on one side of the wall, so their computers are all there. And then on the other side of the wall is the children's room where the kid sleeps, right? So what's happening is all these electric fields that are coming off all these computer devices are going right through the wall and the child's right there on the other side, right? So these are all the things that we kind of take a look at uh, when we're doing our inspections. Wow. So back up to a minute on these devices. I had read somewhere that the new smart TVs or the flat screen TVs in general, before they were smart, that flat screen TVs were better than the old tube TVs. And that's why they used to tell you don't sit in front of the TV. But, you know, you're absolutely right. You've got this new dynamic where the TV has, it's it's giving off basically Wi-Fi signal. And then all these other things in our houses, my house is pretty clean, all this stuff. I'm pretty aware of this. I don't want, I don't have a toaster anyways, but if I did, I yeah. wouldn't want it with any sort of smartness. I'd, and by the way, smart yeah. to me is mostly like a surveillance tool. It's not, it doesn't mean that's intelligent. It means that it can communicate with other devices, right? Like this that's is with right. these, yeah. these smart meters. Yeah, that's right. Your yep, smart meter right. can't play you in chess, but it can relay yeah. your information to another device. That's what makes it smart. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what goes straight to the utility company. Yeah. Yep. So I'd like you to talk about them as well, but I'd like to hammer in that yeah, a lot of us just aren't aware enough. And I, I get this too in conversations with people. They say, okay, I've just woken up to this. What do I do? And I say, okay, find everything that has a Bluetooth function and throw it away. And they say, but I, I just I just spent all this money on it. Okay, well, we've all made bad decisions in life. I'm sorry to be the one who tells you. I'm not here to sell you something, right? 
if yeah, you want to yeah. get better, if you want to clean up your environment, I've been saying this for a long time. Your your first yeah. two things are are distance and, and shielding. And sometimes you have to throw these things away. Why do you want a smart toaster? Go buy a regular toaster for 20 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. These things cost more too, for no reason. As you said, why do you need to control your air purifier from from your phone or your garage door opener? Like just close your garage. Use your brain. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, like, I mean, the, the thing is, I always tell clients that, like, we don't necessarily have to live back in the caveman days right uh in order to be safe right we just want to kind of be mindful of how we do things right and uh, there's a ton of solutions on how to do things properly um and i've gone into hardwiring ethernet cables with clients and i've gone into you know instead of having uh your bed up against a wall where there's a receptacle there maybe we can pull it back because what happens is a lot of times too people have their bedrooms set up the wrong way right and what i mean by that is that um if you have your headboard right up against an electrical outlet right you get a lot of electric fields that bleed off of that outlet right and um by either there's a couple things you can do in that case you can move the direction of the bed right um or or move it away from the outlet um and, or the other thing you could also do too is you could move the bed out three feet from the wall if your room is big enough, right? Um, simply because of the fact what happens is with electric fields, they don't travel far distances, right? So every foot after three feet, it just drops off and it drops off drastically, right? So the, there's big changes there too, right? So that it's that's where distance and proximity comes in with electric fields. However, it doesn't quite work the same way with radio frequency or wireless radiation because wireless radiation is very reflective right which means that it bounces off wall you can't see this stuff but it bounces off walls it reflects it so if you have something in the coming from the living room it very easily passes up through the walls into the third floor where your bedrooms are right uh same thing so i mean honestly in that case it's not really proximity with wireless radiation it's actually elimination of the source itself well they're meant to travel distance right you can stand outside your house and use your wi-fi yep yep people park in front of our house and use our wi-fi everyone knows their password (laughs) so you're talking about hardwiring i love hardwiring but i've been very disappointed with the market so, for example, they sell these Ethernet adapters for your cell phone because I, I operate yeah. everything on on the Internet. I run a business on the Internet. I don't need a phone number. I use a text app. It gives me a free phone number so I don't pay the telecom cartels. I have a cable Internet company that I pay for my small town. It's not one of the giants. But I bought two Ethernet adapters now, and both of them broke quickly. One lasted six months. The other one lasted like two weeks. Yeah, you know, I um, actually, I, I set up a lot of uh, what we call um, Netgear Powerline boxes in customers' homes. And with the Netgear Powerline boxes, you need the Ethernet hardwire cables with the adapters that go to the phones and laptops, right? The thing is, is that you have to find a quality connector uh, for for your laptop and, and phones after that, basically connect to the Ethernet. And I think what's happening is... A lot actually had a customer very recently last week. I set everything up for her. She ordered the piece off of Amazon and um, 
she's complaining about the quality of the the signal and i have a really good feeling that it's because of the uh the connector piece that she purchased right because i mean you can buy these things for you can buy these adapters for maybe 20 25 dollars right on amazon i bought the more expensive one hoping it would be better that's the one that only lasted two weeks oh dear yeah so i'd be returning that to amazon trying something else yeah until it works because i i can tell you like i i use mine um for connecting my office computer upstairs um and i have it plugged into the modem downstairs so basically uh for those of us that are not familiar with how neck air power line boxes work basically what it does is it uses the frequencies that are running through your home uh so the standard frequency is 60 hertz running through the wiring inside the walls um so you have one box that plugs into the modem downstairs and then you have one box that plugs in upstairs uh where your your computer is and they, these use ethernet cables and the box is plugged directly into the receptacle outlets in the wall it's very effective i find for me I, I haven't had any issues with it at all, um, but I have had some uh, feedback from clients about the adapter pieces, right? So the um, the Nickier boxes themselves, I mean, you can get those on on Best Buy for about one hundred and forty dollars. The the adapters, you can get them on Amazon for about twenty twenty five dollars. The one that I can tell you that I have purchased that I had really good um, success with was actually the one from Best Buy. I paid about $40 for it, but it, it worked really well. I'm taking notes here because I, I need to get back on this too. And I didn't want to buy a new one until I talked to someone. And the problem yeah. is no one knows anything anymore. You go into yeah, these, these stores, they don't make commissions. They don't even care. They're playing games on their phone. They're getting paid hourly. It doesn't matter whether you buy anything or not. And That's I'm it. like, man, I need some real advice here on which of these. Is, I'm not buying a third one and having it break. I need to upgrade the quality here and nobody seems to be able to tell me the quality so yeah by breaking what, um, what exactly do you mean like it just becomes ineffective just stop working. yeah just stop working yeah so you sell the or you install the net gear boxes which is like a, yep. am i correct this is like a row of plugs you can plug in all these different ethernet cables and you yeah, can hook one up exactly. to your computer and one up to your phone one up to your laptop one up to um, your tv so I haven't actually I haven't actually gotten to the point where I'm kind of installing more than one, right? In 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 a home, um, I actually did plan to reach out to Netgear to find out if that was possible because it's actually a very interesting way of doing things, right? Um, but the like I said, when I'm doing the initial setup, right? It's usually for I've I've been working with people to help set up their offices. Right. So a lot of people right now are running everything off Wi-Fi. So basically what we do is we hook up the Netgear platform. And um, again, it's one box into the receptacle closest to the modem. Then there's an Ethernet cable that plugs in from there to the modem. And then the second Netgear box are just little white boxes, right? The second one plugs in beside your computer in your office into the closest receptacle and then you have a hardwired ethernet cable that plugs into that little white box that's plugged into the receptacle and the other end of that goes into your computer and it just transfers the signal from the modem through the electrical wiring in the walls and then transfers that signal to the other white box the two white boxes talk or communicate and that internet signal then gets passed through to your your computer so you basically can turn off your wi-fi in your office so you don't have to be exposed to the wi-fi uh, all day long while you work 
Yeah, I love that. Uh, both of my computers don't have internet unless you plug them in or you use, um, you have to plug in one of those little USB Wi-Fi signal catchers or whatever. So if it doesn't have that, there is no internet. So I have to plug it in. And I obviously prefer that, of course. I'd like to get completely off of Wi-Fi. I'd like to throw the the router out. That's why I'm asking this, because I saw these mm-hmm. devices, these uh, banks uh, of Ethernet cable plug-in things. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I got some, I was reading reviews and stuff, and it's like the more you plug in, you know, it's it, some of them, uh, if it's if it's giving you this amount of power, 100%, if you put another plug in, now they're 50-50, not, you know, so they're not distributing it equally and all this stuff, and... I just didn't, I would like to know more about that where I could plug everything in and everything doesn't mean much, by the way, like at my home, for example, we have the TV that runs on the internet. We have the computer that runs on the internet and that'll probably be two computers soon. And then we have two phones. So it's four yeah. devices. That's so right. Yeah. Yeah. Could I theoretically so, do that from the wall where the internet cable comes in the first place before we yeah. plug it into so the router? These boxes, they have a dual connection, right? So you have two ethernet cables that you can uh that you can run from that right so it's great for when you are sitting in the living room watching i guess videos on your phone and uh your son or daughter or another family member is 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 sitting beside you on the couch too and instead of i mean we all do it right with the wi-fi you're watching youtube videos or netflix or whatever right um even if you're just on your laptop working right you just pick up the cable plug it into your laptop and um, it, it'll stream the internet connection there for you, right? And you just turn off the Wi-Fi on your computer and it should work beautifully. The problem I'm at right now in my house is that I am plugging like my computer, for example. Computer's not giving off a Wi-Fi signal, but I have the cable plugged into the router because I can't just do it from the wall because I only have one yeah. plug. This is recent. I'm trying to figure out how to do this. Because now the one plug that comes out of the wall, I plug it into the router, and then I have to plug in either my Ethernet adapter for my phone or the the computer to the router, but I still have the router on. So it's kind of stupid to me, but it does reduce it in my hand, and I don't want to hold a a Wi-Fi router, which is what my phone is. I don't want to sit beside a a computer that's, you know, it's going out looking for the Wi-Fi. That's where where the the RadTech modem covers come in, right? that's those modem the modem covers i'm telling you they are extremely effective at at shielding the radiation that's coming off those modems. so they shield it but it still works on wi-fi how does how does that make sense it doesn't block so it blocks the frequency but the wi-fi signal doesn't get cut right isn't the signal a frequency itself when a modem is is giving off frequencies right for our cell phones laptops everything to kind of work right um it picks up the that that signal and then it turns it into an internet signal right so remember binary code zero one zero 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 one one zero so it's kind of it's kind of like that right so what happens though is those frequencies bleed off radiation that's the harmful effect right so what happens is the materials that we're using in the boxes are actually shielding materials made to shield radiation right so it doesn't block the signal or the frequency but it blocks the radiation that bleeds off of those frequencies, right? So to make it simple to actually kind of try and understand is, let's say, for example, you have um, with the modem, it's giving a signal of, say, 5.3 gigahertz. So off that signal of 5.3 gigahertz comes radiation, 
that radiation is actually being shielded and blocked by and reduced by the shielding materials that are in the box, right? But it's not blocking the frequency, right? Because believe me when I say this, I've been selling these now for, I guess, a little, maybe about a year and a half, and I've had no complaints from clients, right? And I always tell clients that if you're working, say you're working at home and the modem is downstairs in the basement, if there is a lag, just take the box off for a few minutes while you're doing your work and then put it back on after. Because it, it does, sometimes you sometimes you get a little bit of a lag, right? But it, that's kind of expected as well, right? But I can tell you, like my wife works on the main floor of our house and the, and the modem's in the basement. I get no complaints from her. So I would be the first one to hear about it while she's working at home eight hours a day. So the material that our houses are made of, mostly wood maybe a few steel beams for some of us yeah, yeah they do nothing to reduce the emf um they do they do yeah like i've been in some basements where you get absolutely zero re- re- uh, reception right and i've been in some usually it's concrete i think that that there's a lot of problem there concrete and steel um but i mean it's uh it depends i get perfect reception all throughout my house it just, in that sense, building materials, it also depends on the frequencies, right? Because like the way that it works is 5G frequencies operate on very, very, very short, short waves. So the shorter the wave, the higher the degree of, it, it can't pass through things as well, right? So it's actually interfered with by even things like clouds, rain, trees, buildings, people, Right. Um, whereas with like older, older frequencies where with like 4G, 3G, even LTE, right. They operate off of longer, longer waves. Um, so those longer waves are actually, they're a lot stronger, right. They pass through things much easier, right. So they pass through the walls of our homes a lot easier. They they travel much farther distances, right. Um, which is why like, really, if you think back, 20, 30 years, you've never seen cell towers anywhere, right? Because of the fact that they were way, they were far in the distance in open fields, kind of like power lines, right? Um, and you didn't actually see these 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 cell towers. But that's what they kind of, um, I mean, one of the, the, the biggest things that they've taught us in building biology um, is that what the, the real danger with 5G is that it's so close to home. They have to make it that way because it wouldn't work. The networks won't work without it um, because there's too much. They use uh, the higher the frequency. And in the U.S., I know they're between they're running up between 20 to 40 gigahertz. Um, here in Canada, we're still much, much lower than that. Um, I think that we're running like five to five to 10 gigahertz at the most down here. And I don't know how much longer that's going to be for, but What's happening is they're starting to see, and you probably see them all the time in, in in your area, is these small cell antennas, right, that are on the streetlights and the poles and much, much closer to home because they need this infrastructure every 100 feet or so to be able to uh, broadcast that signal and to keep the, the signal moving. Otherwise, it gets blocked out by by all the rows of homes and everything like that. And that all of a sudden the network's not working as effectively. So why do they pitch 5G is so much better? Is it because it's, it's more data 
like yeah, the, the frequencies are shorter just, so they they can send more data through the right. okay yeah it's 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 quicker faster speeds and yeah it is a lot faster right so it's basically so people can watch netflix on their phone <laughs> yeah more or less right and i mean you get it in a lot of uh like say downtown downtown areas right where you have not just a lot you have a lot of people right um, in those downtown areas that are uploading, downloading, watching Netflix, doing all these things, right? In stadiums, right? Uh, 5G is big in those kind of areas, right? But I mean, 5G, in my opinion, doesn't belong in, in residential areas, right? It's just not needed. I would argue I that cell phone data in general is not needed and doesn't belong in our world. I mean, well, th- let me let me throw an analogy out here. Uh, it's one that was used in a book I really like, The Invisible Rainbow by Arthur Furstenberg. A lot of people are using that as their like standard reference for the problem or for waking people up to it. And it's probably yeah. my favorite EMF book right now. At yep. the end of the book, he said, if someone walked into your house with a lit cigarette, you would tell them to get out, right? You're not allowed to smoke in stadiums. Why is it allowed to blast me with frequencies against my permission, right? This is we all live in these i live in a suburb here but even up north i live in a town you know if uh, our neighbor was just having a huge smoke fire everyone would come out and be like man what are you doing stop it right because the smoke's getting into my house and all this stuff but we can't see the waves as you mentioned in in that book the invisible rainbow you can't see this so is, is this some part of the reason why it's allowed i don't think it should be allowed i don't think you need to upload instagram pictures on the go i haven't paid a phone bill in many many years if I want to take a picture outside, I will take a picture outside and I will upload it later. You know, this whole thing about instant instant gratification and we this is a little bit of a social rant here, but it's kind of gross to me how the average person can't go five seconds, 30 seconds without some sort of artificial stimulation. So people can't wait in, in line at Walmart or at the grocery store. You know, oh, oh, I've got 20 seconds to wait for the next person's done. I'm going to pull up my phone and do something on it. Like it's... I think we've we've lost control. I think this is a sign of an addiction and, and it's harming us. And it, there's and people yeah. say, oh, I need my phone. And I say, I run an internet business. I don't need to pay a phone bill. I do not need data while I'm out. You know, read a book at the airport or something like this. I think it's it's crazy that they allow this everywhere and encourage it everywhere. And I'm throwing the mic back to you. But if you didn't know, a lot of American cities you go you enter the city and you're given a, a citywide wi-fi option like xfinity uh, like denver i was just in in colorado and boulder and you can do wi-fi anywhere you don't even have to have a phone plan you, oh you just pay them whatever the, the money is but i'm saying the whole city is stocked with wi-fi now so no matter where you are in the city you can't escape this you have no choice but to accept this bombardment from every angle with this invisible rainbow yeah absolutely yeah, I, I 100% agree. And you know what, I think, I think we're all guilty of it, right? It's, it's um become such a convenient convenience. And just like you said, standing in line waiting at a grocery store, nobody has patience anymore. You look at look at people on a bus, right? Everybody's got their phones out, right? And it's it's become so much more than just about taking pictures. And I remember when, I guess we're going back about 20 years, but I remember when the first phone came out and they were advertising, it was Bell. And they were advertising that you can now watch live channels on TV on your phone. And since then, it's turned into so much more than that. It's it's 
You know, it's it's Netflix, it's Disney, it's all these apps are streaming apps are everywhere. And you know, they they take your favorite TV shows off a of regular cable TV and they put it on Netflix or Disney so that you're so much geared towards buying that package just to watch that one show. And it, it, that's it's turned into a game pretty much just all about money. But it's uh yeah, it's a lot more now than just taking a picture with your camera on your phones. And I'd like to get back to the home and, and what you guys do, but I, I think this is part of it. You told me, and this is, this surprised me, actually. I genuinely thought you were going to talk about fridges and, you know, it, uh, air conditioners and stuff, but you said the productive. second worst thing is mm-hmm. the stuff we bring in that was sold to us on convenience, which how convenient really is it to control your air purifier from your phone or your thermostat? Just turn the thermostat to 72 or whatever, whatever it is. Just to, what would you do? Most people keep it at the same temperature all the time anyways. Like yeah. but this wasn't a problem. They're selling us these things based on things that weren't a problem before. It wasn't a problem that you couldn't watch HBO while you drive before. That wasn't a problem, right? We, we made this into a convenience thing, but it didn't solve a problem. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And, you know, like the reason that I say that is the number two thing is because you run into particular custom situations where remember what I was saying about electric fields, right? They don't travel far distances, right? So you run into what I call like particular situations, right? Which are avoidable in most cases, right? Where you have the air conditioning unit next to next to a bed right or you run into a situation like i was saying where you have an office on one side of the wall and the other side of the wall is the bed is the bedroom for 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 the child right um it doesn't have to be a child it could be an adult too but those are all particular situations that are kind of customizable with how we set up our homes right um, depending on whether it's an apartment, a condo, um, a small home, big home, right? All these things change how our homes are set up on the inside. And that's why I honestly think that like when you talk about refrigerators and microwaves and stoves, yeah, they give off high levels of electric fields and magnetic fields, but unless they're connected somewhere into areas of like the building of the bedrooms, it still takes a backseat to like the, this wireless radiation. And for the amount of time you're standing in front of the stove, it's probably nowhere near yeah, the amount of time yeah. that and you're you sitting in a room. Seat. Yep. And then it comes down to the different kind of stoves that you have too, right? You have, you have, uh, I think they're called um, inductive stoves. I can't remember the exact terminology, but there's a, there's, there's a couple different kinds of, of stoves that um, actually have much higher levels of magnetic fields when you, when you're using them. Um, than the average conventional stove and um, but again that's exactly like what you just said is it comes down to really about the amount of time that you are standing in front of it working with it and and even still the fact like I said like it's just magnetic electric fields they drop off after three feet right so it's you're where you're sitting in your living room you're not probably not sitting directly right beside your your stove and then look at two like your your microwave um it gives off magnetic fields and electric fields and radio frequency wireless radiation as well but it gives off different amounts when it's turned on versus when it's just idle right 
And like a lot of people, I mean, if you can, if you have the ability to plug in your microwave and unplug it when you're not using it, that's a great idea, right? Because when it's not plugged in, you're not being exposed to those electric fields, right? So that's that's another thing too, is that's why I always tell people when you're in your bedrooms and you are using things like lamps, alarm clocks, forget about putting them on your bedside table, right? Try and find a spot for it on a dresser that's five feet away from the bed, right? Because again, those electric fields, they do not travel more than three feet, right? And you can take all, all these videos are actually available on my Instagram. I've done videos showing demonstrations of all of these things. And um, that stuff, keeping it away from the bedside is one of the first things they teach us in built-in biology, right? Because it comes down to body voltage, our body attracts and collects these electric fields that are bleeding off of these things that are plugged into electricity and body voltage. It impacts our body. And when we have excess amounts of body voltage, it causes a lot of problems and a lot of illnesses, sicknesses, our bodies can't shut down properly. That's going more into the whole low frequency issue with how our body shut down to go to sleep at night and grounding and earthing and how they all kind of interconnect. But um, yeah, that's, that's all stuff for the bedroom more or less. But can you, can you talk about that? Let me, let me preface it too. So I told you off camera here that I hate where we are in Houston. We're we're in the, we're in the suburbs outside of Houston, but still when we first came here, we were in an apartment that we didn't know had a secret cell phone tower across the street, hidden one. Mm -hmm. So we moved. It's the extreme step. We moved because I I went nuts there. I already have a whole bunch of EMF devices and stuff. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't keep a phone in my pocket and all all that stuff. But I could not sleep in that place. And I'm even starting to take like melatonin and other sleep aids, which I never need. You know, most of the time I was insomniac for 25 years, by the way. It's part of how I got into this business. I had all kinds of health problems and they were fixed with proper nutrition. So I know that insomnia is usually a nutrient deficiency and I sleep fine otherwise but i came here just couldn't sleep no matter what the nutrition was if anything my nutrition is better here because my wife my wife keeps a good eye on me and you know we don't have any sugar any nothing you know no extra super clean all this stuff could not sleep here moved into this place it's better it's better it's probably about half as bad but it's still i have very very poor sleeps here we got a grounding mat recently this is my actual question we got a grounding mat for the bed, and I did find a huge difference. I'm still not sleeping perfectly, but I'm sleeping a lot better. So what do you mean when you're talking about low frequency, and how does that have to do with grounding? Yeah, so low frequency is is magnetic and electric fields, right? So we're talking about instead of being so in the spectrum, right, the electromagnetic field spectrum, we have frequencies that basically operate on kilohertz, megahertz gigahertz right so a lot of the low frequency um, issues that we're talking about like with magnetic and electric fields and these are things like wiring in the walls right or these are things like uh, having our, our things that are plugged into the outlets around our bed right or even the panel boxes right which basically all the wiring runs throughout your entire home for your circuits right these are all areas where you have high levels of of electric and magnetic fields so that all kind of stems back to 
how our bodies conduct and hold onto and store those electric fields in our body. And again, it's the earthing grounding side of it is actually the release of these electric fields. Right. So, but I'll tell you something, another really good strategy of redirecting electric fields is with a, a EMF paint. Right. So my daughter's room, we did, um, we painted all the walls and the ceiling with an EMF paint. And this is actually what we, what, what, what my company specializes in is, um, shielding strategies. Right. So we identify the problems and then we come up with the solutions on how to properly fix these, these s- scenarios. Um, so for grounding, right, this paint is conductive. Right. So what basically happens is that all these electric fields that are floating throughout the room from all the electronic devices that we use, okay, um, are attracted to this EMF paint instead of our bodies. Right. So if you do, if you were, if I were to try and read the electric fields in an ungrounded room versus a room that is grounded with EMF paint, it's night and day. So for example, like with the, with the paint, what they do is they basically use a conductive tape that goes all around the wall. Okay. Almost follows the perimeter throughout the bedroom. And that conductive tape comes back to one point where they use what they call like a grounding plate. Okay. And that grounding plate is attached to the EMF paint and the tape. And then you run a copper cable from that grounding plate to a grounding source that could be many different things right that could be a copper pipe a lot of people you a lot of electricians use the um the ground screw on the receptacle outlets right but we never tell clients how to properly ground because we want them to use licensed electricians for that right because there is definitely a safety hazard there so but for us that room is grounded so we see a lot of the electric fields much, much lower, right, than in, in an ungrounded room. You're kind of blowing so my mind. I've got, I've got to stop you so we can explain this. You have to explain yeah. it to me because I never heard this before. So grounding to me, I thought you had to be connected to the ground. And it makes sense to me to have a cable mm-hmm. or something or a grounding mat or something where it, it runs from cable. Yep. And yeah, you plug it into the either the wall outlet ground yep. or you can run it outside through a wire buried in the ground that's yep, physically that's grounded. Right. So, but you're saying same same you, thing. You just took the ground out of grounding, though, and that's what kind of blew my mind. So you're saying that you can paint the room with this EMF paint, which attracts the electrostatic electricity to it, and uh, I guess funnels it towards this tape, which runs around the perimeter, which runs down into one certain spot where you've got a grounding plate, and then that is itself grounded. So instead of the ground being grounded, you've turned the yeah. whole room into an uh, a static collector. Yeah. And well, then you're using, run it through you're the using basically, basically you're using, um, so like these grounding mats and everything like that, you, they're still plugged into some sort of an area where you are releasing those electric fields. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you're, if you're, some people do the grounding outside where they run a ground, uh, a ground rod into the ground. They, uh, so I've, I've seen people do that. It, it's the same thing when you're doing it with the EMF paint, right? Because what typically happens is there's like all homes are grounded with, um typically eight two two eight foot grounding rods that run deep into the earth right so by using that receptacle outlet 
there's a, a ground connected to every receptacle outlet. It's the same type of earthing solution in that way, but you, you'll you never find that there is a true a truer ground than the actual earth outside, right? There's many different constituents that we can go into with that. Like a lot of people, some people think that the receptacles in our homes may not be, a, uh, there, there's a, there is a such thing as a dirty ground, right? And that can cause a lot of problems as well with earthing, right? Um, even still outside, I've heard rumors from other building biologists now that you're run, we're running into problems where you get people who are trying to earth outside and they run into problems called ground current. And this is a big thing right now in Alberta. And cables under the ground? Exactly. Like in yeah. suburbs that don't have uh, yeah. that the, the poles? Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and you know what I'll tell you, there's no true good solution to that because I actually think that underground buried cables are better than overheads. And here's why. So underground buried cables stay underground, right? Mm -hmm. So for the average person, how many people, if you were to ask them out of 10, would say that they know about grounding and earthing and how to do it properly? Now, if you take, if, if you go into a area of homes where they have above, above ground uh, electrical wiring, where does that wire attach to? It attaches to the side of the house, right? And then it mm -hmm. comes down into your electrical um, in-service, right? Which goes down to your panel box and then gets distributed throughout the home through the circuits, which are the breakers, right? That wire, when it attaches to the side of your home, what's usually there? on the other side of that wall it's um, usually bedrooms okay right didn't know so the the just take a look when you, next time you're walking through a neighborhood and you and it has overhead wiring right so what is the major thing major problem with this is the magnetic fields that are bleeding off of these power lines are going right through the walls of these bedrooms right so that's another big issue Right. And I get a lot of calls from clients that are their their children's bedrooms are on the other side of these walls where they sleep and they want to make sure that it's safe. So we go in and we do the measurements. We, we take the measurements for the magnetic fields. And um, yeah, it's it really is something that has made me come to the conclusion that I, I, I think underground power lines are much better than overhead right now. Jeez, I got to check my house here. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I have a question about the EMF paint. A few questions. Does it have to yeah, be a specific absolutely. brand? Uh, no, there's a couple. Um, pretty much the main one out there is uh, by a company called Y-Shield. They, um, they are from Germany. Um, there's a couple of local suppliers, but actually as well, uh, people can, um, your, your, your followers can also come directly through me. And um, we can also set up a, a discount for them as well um for for these products but um the yeah the paint is is it basically pilots out of germany and it was ma made and manufactured there and um it that is probably one of the the better ones right however they're all there's there's a couple different ones um but they all pretty much do the exact same thing i had read that the paint wasn't as good of a shield as like pure metal like tin sheets or and yeah. i just like your opinion on this i don't know yeah or, no, or foil there's yep yep there's uh 
So there's there's a couple. It all comes down to remember we were talking about like the DB rating, the shielding effectiveness, right, and mm-hmm. the testing that we're getting, right. So the way the paint works is pretty much every layer that you put on adds an extra layer of shielding, right. So with one layer, for example, with the Y Shield HSF fifty four, you get thirty nine dB, right. With two layers, you get forty nine dB. With three layers, you get fifty nine dB, right. The thing is. Um, there's other that 59 DB is, is, is phenomenal. It's really good, really good stuff. Right. Um, and I, I saw a major reduction in, in my, in my daughter's room when we did, uh, the paint there, because like we have a cell tower, right. Probably about a hundred feet away uh, from our home. And it's, you can visually see it almost right in your like face. You don't have to look hard to see it. And it's actually the town water tower and it's just covered in antennas. And um, so we did that and um, I did all the work myself. And that was kind of the beginning of how people are shielding from exterior sources. And I still think it's it's probably one of the better ways, right? But there there are other things, other ways to do it too. And it just really depends on the stage of how your home is set up too, right? Because... Like if you think about it, if you are in an in in a situation where you're building a home from scratch or you're re-drywalling or doing major renovations, right? We get a lot of clients that'll say, Hey Mike, you know what? We're doing renovations and um, we're tearing down the drywall and rebuilding. And we want to shield for EMFs. How can we properly do this? So at that point, right, instead of using EMF paint, what I would do is I would use an RF foil. Right. Or um, there's different fabrics you can use, right, that go on the studs that are very highly effective at shielding against against outside sources for wireless radiation. Right. And actually, the same material that I use for my boxes is is an RF foil. Right. One hundred and twenty dB. That goes a long way. And um, you can see it uh, in, in the videos that I have for the, uh, the the modem covers. You can see the reduction it, with the, with when you put the box on, right? And that's the same material you use on the on the on the studs. And um, it, it's it's just ultra effective at blocking wireless radiation. You said the paint had this electrostatic capturing ability. Does yeah, any does, oil yeah. or yeah. metal plates like tin plates, lead plates, do they have yeah. that same effect? Um, so no, not necessarily. Um, so like these lead plates or metal or brick or concrete, anything like that, it depends on how conductive the material is, right? So pretty much when you put the paint on the wall, the black paint itself, it's it's actually like a graphite-based paint. Right. So one of the main ingredients is like a graphite. Right. Um, but they market it as being very, very low VOCs and very safe. Right. But typically, if we take a step back for a second and just try and understand how this whole thing becomes conductive. Right. It's actually the materials that they're using to make the paint is conductive itself. Right. So by conductive, that's the part of it that is actually drying in the electric fields. Right. The strips of tape is just to redirect those electric field buildups to the copper cable, which is connected to the plate. And that copper cable is then connected to a grounding source. And that's how all of that stuff gets neutralized, right? And typically you probably pretty much only need one to two of these grounding plates in each room, 
depending on also on what the electrician recommends at the time too right but i mean for us ours we only ended up using one grounding plate so that's that's kind of how how the grounding side of the paint works if you were to um so you said it's black right can you just paint it once like say you do one two three layers and then you yep. just paint a regular paint color over it yeah yeah exactly because i mean typically what happens is, is so the manufacturer states right in their technical data sheets that the it must be painted over with a with with a like you can just use your average benjamin moore paint uh to go over top of it but i'm being honest it it, it, is solid black paint right Mm -hmm. so it is actually probably better to use a primer paint over top of the black right so you put on your two to three coats of black paint first wait for it to dry and then you go over top of it with a latex based paint that latex based paint it could be a primer right and then you can go over top of it with any color you want after that okay tell me if you think i'm silly for doing this but i was very broke (laughs) not that long ago a few years ago and when i moved into my house i had a problem with certain sources like the smart meter which we're still haggling with the company to take off years later crazy mm-hmm. uh, yeah. smart meters behind where i sit on my chair and do my reading i sit there most of the day so i decided to put multiple layers of foil behind it on the wall and put bookshelves in front of it and i don't feel it i haven't run a meter on it but i haven't no. i don't feel it and this, I also is the, did... this is the smart meter the smart meter yeah 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 yeah. So do you think multiple layers of aluminum foil is is good enough? Um. So here's the thing about aluminum foil, right? So a lot of people use it, and it does have it does have attenuation, right? The same way that brick, concrete, metals all have uh, steel, they all have attenuation, right? Otherwise, you would never hear about people using tin foil for this purpose, right? The thing is that. It's not tested in a lab. Nobody's going to take a piece of tinfoil to a lab to test it to see what the attenuation is on it, right? Or to see the shielding effectiveness of it. So we don't know how well it it shields, right? So like if you were to compare, like I was saying, like an EMF paint to the RF foil, the RF foil is rated at 120 dB. The EMF paint is rated at like standard one layer to one layer, right? The EMF paint is rated at 39 so 120 to 39 right so what's the shielding effectiveness on the aluminum is it 10 is it 15 is it 30 we don't know right because it's unless the uh the tinfoil company comes out and says our tinfoil has shielding effectiveness of 35 db Mm -hmm. we're taking a guess right we're trying to we're trying we're we're guessing at what works but you also mentioned there because everybody a lot of people use it yeah, I mean, just just from my own like internal meter, which I know is not that sensitive. I gotta buy a new meter. That's one of my questions for you. We had one yeah, down at the one, store. Which one do you have? One. No, we have one at the store that I helped open, and that's where I learned about a lot of this stuff. And so I just I just kept that in mind. Okay, I I knew I already played around with it. I walked around everything, and I saw okay, basically mm-hmm. everything gives off a field, and I just want to stay away from everything. <laughs> I'm pretty extreme on it, and I just don't want to be around devices as much as possible. It's ironic that I work on the phone and the computer, but I'm aiming my life to completely get in off of all devices. I will exit the internet gracefully or not to get myself away from all this. 
but you mentioned the office thing as well with the bedroom. So my office is on the other side of my bedroom at my house in Canada. And so I did the same thing. I took multiple layers of foil and then I put uh, fabric over top of that. Just so it it doesn't look unsightly. Yeah, absolutely. No. Um, So a couple things there, right? So that may help with wireless radiation, right? Also known as RF radio frequency, right? Mm. High frequency. Um, But a lot of, keep keep this in mind too, that a lot of the major problem there um, is that the electric fields, right? That come off the electrical equipment bleeding through the walls. The tinfoil itself, unless you connect it with a copper cable and ground it, right? It's not going to do anything for electric fields, right? Um, So in that case, there's also uh, EMF paint that is specialized in electric field grounding. So instead of it, like the standard HSF 54 Y shield paint is good for high frequency RF radiation as well as low frequency electric fields, right? And the electric fields are can are are neutralized when you ground it. Um, tin foil would be good for blocking RF radiation, but you're still going to have the electric fields coming through, right? Because it's not capturing the static. That's right. Yeah, and it's not yeah. blocking it either. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, it, it would come down to at that point, really, like, I'd have to look into, like, how conductive is tinfoil, right? Like, if if tinfoil is conductive, it that's going to attract a lot of the electric fields. That could be good and that could be bad. But at the end of the day, like, let's say, for example, you put the tinfoil up on the wall and it, it's highly conductive, right? All those electric fields are going to sit on that tinfoil. If you don't have that grounded, it's just going to sit on the tinfoil. Right. And that could be bad if it's right beside it's going to actually increase your electric fields if you're if you're sleeping right beside it. Right. You know, I doubt my. okay. I I live in a mining town, Kirkland Lake, Ontario. The houses are are rough. They're rugged. Mm -hmm. They're they're like they're wooden shacks, they're cabins. And most of them were built. I know my house was built uh, in the 1930s and then it was retrofitted in the 50s. I don't think it was built with a bathroom to begin with. I think it was outhouse in the back. I don't think it was meant to hold electricity. So I think it was retrofitted later. So I I guess I could buy, should I buy one of those things that the electricians have where they can stick it into the ground, like uh, the ground in the outlet and see if it's actually grounded. Cause yeah, I doubt, I right. doubt my house that's is right. properly grounded. Yeah. That's in order for the outlet to be used as a ground. It has to be grounded. That's the first thing we check when we're doing our inspections of the homes before we even make any recommendations for grounding or earthing or anything like that, we check all receptacles in the home to make sure that they're grounded and wired properly. Right. Because a lot of times you get, we find this all the time where um, it's not a grounding issue, but it's actually a, a wire, a wiring error. Right. So we have things like if you, if you were to pull out a, a receptacle from the wall, and look at it. It has three screws, right? You have a hot, a neutral, and a ground, right? Sometimes they reverse them, right? So some, sometimes you get do-it-yourself homeowners that wire up their receptacles or replace their receptacles, and they place the wire on the wrong one, right? The power still works, so everything must be good, right? 
Well, what happens is, is that if you have a uh, reverse polarity of the um, the the neutral and the ground or the hot and the neutral, it causes a high magnetic field, right? So that's one of the other things that we're checking for as well when we're, when we're going through homes is magnetic field. So I'll walk around the room with my Gauss meter um, and look at the uh, magnetic and magnetic fields. And if those magnetic fields are high, then I know there's probably a problem there. Couple questions here when it comes to these meters. First of all, what what type of tool do you use to check the ground? It's a meter that it basically you just plug right in. It's not a meter. It, it just looks like looks like a a little screwdriver almost. You plug it directly, and it has three prongs on it, right? And then it has the LED lights that'll tell you if if. A, the wiring is correct. B, it's grounded. C, if there's an error. Right. And that's and just a cheap you. little device, so you don't need a special. Oh, yeah. They're not very, they're not very expensive at all. Yeah. Like 20 you can bucks. Get, yeah, about $20 is, is 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 perfect. But then you said a Gauss meter. So that, that's not measuring yeah. math. So that's that's actually um so Gauss Gauss meters, let's talk about this for one sec. So there's different kinds of meters that we use, right? So the average homeowner who's interested in measuring electromagnetic fields in their home will use um, more of what we call like an all-in-one meter. Okay. So it measures all three areas at EMF, right? So it measures RF wireless. The second option is it measures magnetic fields. The third option is it measures electric fields, right? Um, But for somebody like me um, in building biology, we use specific meters for, the different areas of EMF, right? So we have four main areas that we work with, right? So um, we have RF wireless radiation. So we have meters for that, depending on the frequency. I actually have uh, two very high powered meters, right? One that measures up to 3.3 gigahertz. And then I have another one that measures up to 10 gigahertz, right? And those are all, we only use the state of the art equipment uh, with um, gigahertz solution. So we're not using your average all-in-one meter that costs a couple hundred bucks on Amazon. Our meters are actually um, about uh, $24 to $2,700 each meter. Ooh. It's the sensitivity, the accuracy, everything changes at that point, right? We're using very specialized antennas and I ha- we have data logging equipment. So we're data logging in a lot of homes and stuff like that as well. So it's just, it's a, it's a, totally different uh, ball game than your average all in one meter got you a couple couple questions on that so and let me just throw both questions at you you can answer you if you've got one meter that can go to the 10 gigahertz range why would you use the smaller one is it just because it's more sensitive at yeah. the smaller ranges that's question no, it, number one it, it, and it can be oh sorry go ahead go ahead question, question number two data logging so this means it's keeping a record as you're going around and it's like, it's keeping track of like where you are in the house and stuff like that too, rather than just you walk around with the meter and one second it's at a hundred and the next second it's at 70 and you kind of just got to look at it and yeah. and get your bearings that way. So it, when it comes down to it, it's actually um, the frequency that it it's operating on. Right. So like, for example, unless you have a specific device that knows like there's different, 
there's different um, frequencies that different devices are operating on. So that's why we use, when I, if I'm trying to measure RF, I'm using both of my RF meters, right? Because radiation levels could be different, right? So for example, like you might have a cordless telephone that operates on 5.8 gigahertz, right? If I'm using an EMF meter that only measures up to 3.3 gigahertz, I'm not going to pick up that signal at 5.8. It's just so going to max have, out. Yeah. It, it won't even pick up the signal. It won't, okay. it just won't pick it up. Right. And if it does, it might, it's not going to be accurate. Right. Um, so that's why we use uh, two different meters for that. Right. So we're checking when I'm measuring the first, that's the very first thing that I do when I come into a home is I scan floor by floor for all RF wireless devices. Um, because a lot of times you can even get things that are hidden in, 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 in cabinets or closets, right. That are, um, actually uh, you can't visually see it, but the meters are sensitive enough that they're going to detect it. And then they're going to pick it up and tell you where it is. And a lot of times I can even pick up, um, on the outside of homes where, uh, people's modems are, actually uh where where it is so like if i'm walking down the side of a wall i can say yep that's a modem right there but i can't visually see it all i can see is brick and concrete from the outside of the house right but these meters are so sensitive and they are actually um they have a sound signature as well that tells us the different types of things that we're picking up Hmm. so it could for cordless telephones it'll actually tell you a certain sound signature will tell you that's a cordless telephone for modems, they have a different sound signature for that. So that's how these, these meters from Germany are actually built. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. That sounds very sophisticated. What would it you recommend great. for the average person? I mean, let, let's just say lots of people, you guys don't leave Ontario, right? Lots of people aren't going to be able to, <laughs> to use your service. Uh-huh. What if we yeah, want to well, just check our home quick? Well, I, I think um, if you're uh, there's there are several actually all in one meters that are really good. Um, me specifically, I actually just picked up one uh, that's an all in one meter. Um, that's just something quick to use, turn it on and it works really well. It's accurate. It goes up to eight gigahertz. Um, the biggest selling feature for me is that it allows you to data log. It's the only meter I've actually been able to find that allows you to data log and shows you the frequency of the signal that's coming through. Um, that is the cornet meter, but there's, there, there are several other ones that are out there depending on what you're looking to do. Um, the Trifield TF2 is also another one that is is very uh, highly uh, rated. 
That one's very, very popular. It is, yeah. Yeah, and that one there is more well-known for its low frequency uh, for magnetic and electric fields than it really is for its RF because um, it's made and manu- manufactured in the U.S., but it only goes up to 6 gigahertz, right? So if you have – we're way past that right now in, in, in wireless technology. Um, so there's – there uh, in the U.S., a lot of people are more worried about 5G, Right. So I know that there uh, there are actually a couple of meters out there right now. Um, so I know Safe Living Technologies has one that goes from 20 to 40 gigahertz. It's a very specialized RF meter. It's a little bit more expensive than your average um, all in one EMF meter. But it's uh, it's it's the only one that I know of um, in, in, in North America that actually allows you to measure 5g at the higher ranges okay so i have some questions what do you think would be the difference in cost would it be smarter would it be better to build a home safe from emf in the first place what what do you think the cost of that is like say your your house building cost was 100 grand just the way we build them right now how much more would it cost to build that home safe from emf in the first place versus the cost of retrofitting like you mentioned earlier some people yeah are tearing their walls down and stuff and mm-hmm. i'm that i'm I'm that level i'm ready to tear my entire house down and rebuild it or, or build it from scratch because i actually think that it it wouldn't be worth it to retrofit it at, at just right. my house is a piece of junk i'd rather just rebuild it so what, yeah. what would be the extra cost just in regular construction cost versus the cost of retrofitting basically at the average house now well, it's much, it's going to be much cheaper for you to do it from scratch, right? Because you're just kind of building in the EMF materials, right? On the walls. So obviously it's going to, it's variable. It would be a variable expense. So the bigger the home, the more material you're using, the higher your cost, right? But what you don't have is the demolition costs of what it is when you're actually demoing um, a, a home to just to only to rebuild, right? And make it safer. So you're going to have much lower costs if you're building from scratch, right? Like a lot of people, they say they, um, one of the biggest uh, things is like the wiring in the walls, right? Um, Because with the BX cable, the shielded cable, it shields against electric fields very, very well, right? So like if you put up your EMF meter to the wall, where wiring is on the inside of that drywall, right? You're going to, you're going to see high levels of electric fields very easily, right if that if those wires were actually shielded in shielding shielded cable then you would actually not be you would not be able to as easily pick up those electric fields because those electric fields are actually being shielded okay and so that it's just a different type of wire it's just got a the thicker yep, coating on it a, metal fabric a, yeah yeah instead of like if you take your average like three strand cable right it has a it has a a red a black and a neutral right that's encased in like like a sheathing right it's the sheathing is just like a vinyl right mm-hmm. um the that's the difference is that that sheathing versus the bx cable uses a hard metal uh outer um shield right they, they use a lot they use it a lot in garages and commercial prop commercial type situations already um, it's just that building biology really has kind of adapted that and they use that in our wiring, uh, for when we're doing custom homes. 
if you see a leaky outlet now, because I know that's a problem too, correct me if I'm wrong, the outlet's leaking. Like I've got one close to me behind me in my chair that I'm sitting in here now. Mm-hmm. Do you sell or do anything about that? Can you block it? Can you just cut it off? Can you change the, the outlet face interface so that it doesn't leak? Um, I guess the best thing to do there is really distance, right? I mean, if you distance yourself from that by more than three feet, it's not really an issue, right? I would say a bigger issue in the same kind of manner is that is uh, with power bars, right? Uh, with power bars, we actually keep them by our feet all day long while we work, right? The electric fields that come off these power bars is it's insane. It's it's super high, and that's a major um, issue when it comes to uh, electric field storage in our body, right? That that that's a major contributor to higher body voltage. So what I usually recommend to clients in that case is for them to be able to take an extension cord to move that power bar five feet away from your desk instead, right? Rather than just having it sit right beside your feet all day. Looking at mine right now, like I should move that further away from me. <laughs> yeah, fantastic good, idea. Good tip. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, next question. Looking at building houses from scratch, I'm, I'm thinking of building a house in the future, maybe not tearing down mm-hmm. my junk house, but buying, buying a property and building a new house. I was thinking I had to basically run copper wires along the floors and stuff like that to make sure that the floors are grounded at each level. Cause even this only came to my attention sort of recently. I didn't really think about it. The house that I live in uh, up North in Canada, it's built on stilts basically. Cause it's Rocky. They don't, we don't level things up there. They just build different sizes of stilts and try and f- put it on a platform. So basically I'm always elevated from the ground. So I'm never grounded. But you were talking about this thing with the EMF paint before. Would I need to ground the floor if the rooms are all set up with that EMF paint grounding system? So when it comes to the floors, let's say you have a three-story house and the bedrooms are on the top floor. This was actually one of the situations that I ran into when I was doing my daughter's room because we painted all four all four walls and the ceiling to shield against the RF coming from the outside of the house, right? But what we didn't do was shield the floors for any RF radiation that's coming from the main floor or the basement, right? So the proper way to shield in that case would be to take out the flooring, put down an RF material, or you can even paint paint plywood before you put the uh, the hardwood or even laminate over top. Right. Um, And what that does is that basically has the same effect as painting the outer walls, because keep in mind, again, that the whole point of the RF paint is to reflect the radiation back away from the home and reduce it as it penetrates through the walls of the home. So in that manner, um, rather than having those RF fields come up from the main floor basement, penetrating through the walls uh, into the bedrooms. It's much better for you to be able to reflect it back away from the bedroom, right? Because if you are shielding all four walls and a ceiling from outer sources, but then not shielding the floor, you're just getting the radiation, uh, if there is any, that's coming up through the, uh, the, the first floor of the home. But if you shield the whole thing, this is sort of, I have two related questions here. 
if you shield the whole thing, you're not grounded yourself though. Like I was talking about setting up the whole house so that it it is it's grounded and like you don't have to wear grounding shoes. So the whole floors would be a grounding mat in my ideal scenario here, which I don't know. I'd like your opinion on. And the second related question to that is um so you mm-hmm. you've talked about how the RF paint and the the contraption with the tape and you you concentrate it down to a grounding plate. So you're eliminating the static electricity in the room. That sounds good Mm -hmm. to me because yeah, my real question was if I plate off, like say I put tin walls, say I put tin plates behind every single wall. Am I just trapping myself in with all of the frequencies? Cause it's, that's not eliminating them, right? It's shielding it from coming in outside and it's shielding what's going on inside from getting outside. But is that worse for me being trapped inside a, a metal room basically? There is. Um, so, I mean, like the EMF paint itself, it's, it's, it's really good at keeping signals out of the bedroom, right. From the outside. But if you have signals that are coming from within the bedroom, that's that's definitely an issue right because it just pings off the walls right it amplifies those signals and that's why people always ask that question and i always say to them well if you're doing all of this to keep the rf radiation out of the bedroom then it's probably in your best interest as well to not use rf radiation inside the bedroom after you've stopped it and shielded it from the outside of the house because that's 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 kind of like just defeating the purpose, right? You're inviting RF radiation into the room. Well, right? what if this is an office? If it's an office, uh, it's same type of thing, right? It, so it's if it's an office, we look at instead of using Wi-Fi, use corded Ethernet cables, right? So you're hardwiring it because hardwiring cables doesn't have the radiation effect. Right. But going back for just one second, talking about the floors and the grounding, right? It's actually um, Y Shield, the paint manufacturing company. They have, um, you can actually shield your floors as well from electric fields, right? Um, There's not really a whole house grounding system that's available yet. It's kind of still room by room, right? Um, but a lot of people, they do, they do ground the floors, right? You can ground the floors. It's just a, they have different kinds of plates that attach to the floor. So what you would pretty much do at that point is you would say you have plywood down, you would attach and screw down a, uh, a ground plate that's attached with a copper cable. That is the same type of way that you, on the, on the drywall, right? Um, it goes to a grounding source and then it grounds those electric fields. So that's, it's just, there's just different kinds of plates that are why shield manufactured all of that product. Do you think that would be like one of the solutions here that we should implement 100%. when we're yeah, building? I think, yeah, I think it's 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 a great idea to do that. I really I think it's a great idea. And um the paint is probably the most cost-effective way of doing it, but there are also other EMF materials that are uh groundable, that are conductive, that can be grounded, that do the exact same thing as the paint. It's just that the paint is much it's much cheaper, right? Uh, mm-hmm. EMF uh, fabrics are not, they're not cheap. Um, they can, they can get very expensive depending as well, if you want it to be uh, conductive or non-conductive. Understood. So I saw your kit on Instagram. You had multiple meters and stuff in it. What, mm-hmm. Could yeah. you just rattle off what, what equipment you roll with? Yeah, absolutely. So we use only state-of-the-art uh, gigahertz solutions uh, meters, 
these meters are all manufactured and calibrated in Germany. Uh, Germany is pretty much the pilot for um, a lot of the EMF stuff that comes out of there, right? Um, so in my kit, we basically have, like I was saying earlier, the two different kinds of RF meters, which basically are broken down into the different frequencies. Um, so like I was saying, we have one that goes up to 3.3 gigahertz. Um, and then we have another one that goes up to 10 gigahertz, right? So those are our two RF meters. And then we also use a um, the NFA 1000, which is the uh, electric field and magnetic field meter. That's also the meter that we use uh, for body voltage testing. That's standard in any building biologist toolbox, right? It's like a hammer and versus like screwdrivers, right? Um, and then we also test for dirty electricity. So we have a meter uh, where we call um, that we actually plug into the receptacle outlet and it tells us uh, the amount of dirty electricity that's present on the wiring inside the walls. Can you talk about dirty electricity quick? Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm not in so, a hurry, by the way, but I'm, I respect your time here. But our audience, I know they really appreciate these deep dives. A mm-hmm. lot of podcasts, they go for an hour and leave us wanting more. Yeah, so, no, absolutely. No, I got a bit more get, time here. So. Through all of this. Uh, dirty electricity is actually a becoming a big factor in electromagnetic fields, right? Because dirty electricity is really connected to body voltage testing, right? And body voltage and earthing and grounding, right? So basically, what is dirty electricity? So dirty electricity is um, it's frequencies that are in our home that are higher than the standard 60 hertz. Okay, so these frequencies, where do they come from? they basically it stems from the utility right so before the power even comes into our homes it's hot it's it, it there's clean power and there's dirty power mixed right so the clean power sits at 60 hertz right and you can think of 60 hertz almost like a scene wave okay so it basically is a nice clean smooth wave right um but we get frequencies that are higher than that and frequencies that are lower than 60 hertz and that causes a lot of issues right so basically uh frequencies that are higher than 60 hertz you'll see a spike like this instead of that nice smooth wave right um so like what we do is we use uh, what we call oscilloscopes so oscilloscopes basically will show you the frequencies on a screen um, and it oscilloscopes basically it'll show you the different frequencies and how they're running and um, it's actually very difficult and challenging to measure this um, and not a lot of us are trained in how to do that but um, it is something at building biology that we are, are trained in um, and it's so when we use when we use our meter going back to our meters that we check for dirty electricity with we're just basically it, uh, plugging it into the receptacle outlet, right? And the dirty electricity that sits on the line, by that we mean it's the dirty electricity that's on the wiring in the walls, right? So you know how we were talking, going back to the electric fields that lead off of these wiring that's in our walls, mm-hmm. right? So what that that meter is doing is it's measuring the frequencies that are higher than or lower than 60 hertz, Right. And these can all be cleaned up. Um, I'll give you an example. So for like for our dirty electricity meters, the readings that we are recommended our recommended levels are usually about 25 to 50 uh, millivolts peak to peak. 
Okay. So that is basically saying that anything higher than 50, we need to bring it down lower. Right. So um, it, these are actually usually pretty easy to clean up. Um, there's a couple of what we call um, uh, Stetzer filters, right. Or green wave has their version of it as well. And what these filters do is they filter out the, the frequencies that we don't want sitting on our, on our wiring in the walls. Right. Um, so it cleans it up. Right? Is this something that plugs in? You just plug it in. Yeah. Right into the outlet. Yeah, you plug it into the outlet and it's all circuit based. Right. So what I mean by that is by having one filter plugged, if you take a bedroom, right, usually all the receptacles are going to be wired to the same circuit. Right. And by same circuit, I mean, like if you go down to your electrical panel and look at the diagram, it'll say upstairs master bedroom receptacles. Right. So Mm -hmm. all the receptacles usually are dialogued or hooked up to one circuit, which is which is usually one breaker. Right. So these filters that you're putting on the receptacle are um, going to impact each individual receptacle in the bedroom, as long as it is attached to the same circuit. Right. So if you reduce, if you have one that's coming in at 300 millivolts peak to peak and that filter drops it to say uh, 20, right. Which is in the healthy range then what typically happens from that point is that the other receptacles that are on that same circuit are now also automatically reduced by that amount. Okay. That makes sense. Some houses have two breakers if they're bigger and stuff, but. And if that's the case, then we would need to put a filter on each circuit. And we test, we test for all of that um, when we do the installation of these filters. So if I have at the end of our, inspections we uh we we do a full report on everything that we've done we make our recommendations and from there what we do is basically um we the recommendations if the client decides to go ahead with those recommendations uh for for certain things like even for, uh for the dirty electricity filters we will uh install and remeasure to show the customer the reduction Okay, that that one sounds like an easy one because I've seen those devices. It is an easy one. Yeah, it's an easy one, but it's um, it's something that is absolutely necessary. It's a major impacting um, part of EMF. Will that save you money on your electric bill too? No, no, (laughs) no. No. Some scammers are selling it like that. No, no. So there's different ways to deal with it. There's also um, what we call cutoff switches. Right, which um, cutoff switches basically they allow you to shut the electricity off for that part of the room. Right, they're a little bit more expensive. Right, cutoff switches could be upwards of about a thousand dollars. Right, versus a filter that runs at about anywhere. My filters, I charge about ninety dollars for my filters. Right, um, but these these uh, cutoff switches, what they do is basically. Uh, they allow you to shut down whole room circuits, right? So like for your whole bedroom, which is that's, I can't, I can't recommend anything better than that, right? Because it's just a matter of if it fits into your budget and also a matter of if you can actually allow yourself to say, okay, I'm going to shut down the entire room from electricity Mm -hmm. while I sleep at night. 
right? Because basically what those cutoff switches do is it it's a switch that's um, installed in your bedroom and it will allow you to just flip a switch. And that switch is actually connected to the breaker for that room downstairs in the electrical panel. Um, and then when you wake up in the morning, uh, or if you have to get up in the middle of the night, you just flip that switch and the electricity turns back on, right? But by turning off that switch, you are shutting down the entire circuit that's running through the room. When you do that, that also means that you're shutting down all the electricity that's running through the walls. When you do that, that means that any present electric field that could be conducted to your body is now shut down. And that's what we want. We want to have a zero electric field around our rooms so that our body voltage stays low. So did you say you can just do this from the breaker as well? You can just turn off that part of the house? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, I've had clients that say, you know what, Mike, we'll just turn the breaker off all night, Yeah, right, or every night. And that's going back to the same kind of thing as having the modem, just shutting down your modem at nighttime, right? If you can get past that inconvenience factor of having to remember to do this every single night, then that works. But you're saying you can just install an easy switch in the room where you just yeah. flip it off. Yeah, okay. that's that's the best way really to do it. My house, I got to climb down the basement. It's not a real basement. <laughs> it's again, it's like rocks, you know. It's, oh yeah, rock climb foundation. under the stills, the stilts. So yeah, you kind of got to yeah. crawl down on your hands and knees to get in the basement. It's, it would be awkward, but I, I that's the kind of solution I would do first before you know doing any big moves. Just start turning things off at night. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Um, do you do anything about ions and what do you do about air quality? Is that related? Um, so I don't really do too much with ions. Um, I do do air quality, but for air quality, it's mostly measurement related, right? So we, um, I'll give you examples. Okay. So when I do air, air quality, we measure VOCs, formaldehyde, particulates, radon, right? Um, those are all forms of um, irritants, okay? So they're lung, nose, and throat irritants. So you get people who have poor air quality or some that are just sensitive to poor air quality, mm -hmm. right? And their noses are running, their throats are sore, they can't breathe. You start getting some people who have like really um, bad cases of asthma, right? Um, so the what we do is we check for the levels that are running through the homes of these irritants. And air quality is so important because it's something that is, you can't see it. You can't look in the, in the air and see unless it's smoky like outside, <laughs> right? But um, visually, like for a standard home, you really can't see it. So these meters, we really depend on them to detect these types of things right and um so the meters that we we do measurements on them and then we look at the levels and um, a lot of it comes down to basically clean homes air ventilation right using hepa filters right having um there's a lot of uh, portable air quality machines that you can use uh, that that filter the air in your bedroom right or in your living room um, de dehumidifiers are, are very important as well, right? Because you want to make sure that the humidity levels that are in the bedroom, they're not too moist. It's not too dry. 
right? Um, those are all really important factors as well. What uh, what type of meters and how do you measure air quality and mold? So air quality, we we use we usually go I go room by room, and I have and I have one meter that kind of measures all three areas. It measures the VOCs, the formaldehyde, and the particulates, all in one reading, right? And it gives us those levels, right? And then based on those levels, we look at the different kinds of things that could be impacting those levels, right? So for example, formaldehyde is a huge irritant and there are certain things that are placed in our homes that are high in formaldehyde, right? So building materials, right? So you could walk into a home that has hardwood floors and hardwood furniture and the formaldehyde would most likely be low, right? but you can walk into a home that has laminate floors, right? That has particle board, Ikea furniture. Um, maybe your tables and chairs are made out. They're not made out of hardwood. Those are all things that are going to impact really high levels of formaldehyde, right? So how do we correct high levels of formaldehyde, right? Um, so what we basically do is formaldehyde, it, when, it's, when it's heated up, so formaldehyde over time, basically off gases and that's what causes the issues right so when when formal, when furniture is off gassing this formaldehyde our bodies we breathe it in it becomes an irritant right so what do we do to fix that so what we do to fix that is we actually heat up the whole home right or, or sorry the whole room at once at a very high temperature right and what that does is it basically off gases that furniture all at once sucks all the formaldehyde out of the product i've never heard that before that's, yeah, that's very cool then, usually they say it takes like two to five years to off gas exactly. that's what this, the new car smell is right new yeah. carpet smell is the yeah. chemicals so you yeah, can just speed exactly. that up by superheating up the room yeah you super you you heat up the room it basically pulls out all the off gassing and then you ventilate the room so that it all goes out the window right so you have something that basically machine that basically sucks up all the air in the room at that point and pulls it out to an exterior source. Very, very, very cool. Yeah, it is. It's very neat. And when it comes down to like the molds, the mold, mold is a very tricky thing, right? Um, it's it. So we have to be very thorough with mold. Um, so what we do is we do visual inspections, right? Because sometimes you can see or even just probe the client for the right answers, right? That, to help to get to the right answer. If I have a client that tells me, yeah, last year we had a leak in the roof and it came down and I had water damage on, on the inside of the home and it was repaired, right? Um, okay, that's great. Now the mold, sometimes you'll be able to visually be able to see um, the where the water damage is and sometimes you won't be able to, right? Um, sometimes it's been repaired, but they didn't clean the insulation or replace the insulation on the inside of the wall where the cavities are, right? So inside it's still moist and damp. Maybe they didn't use a dehumidifier to dry everything inside the walls, right? So we what we do is we use um, infrared cameras, right? That will show us uh, moisture, right? So if we see moisture on, on, on a section of the wall where we suspect that there could be a leak or mold, right? Then we will, um, we use the infrared camera, we see the moisture, and then what we'll do is we'll verify that moisture with a moisture meter, 
right? So moisture meters show us the areas of a wall where moisture is accumulating, right? Um, even under sinks in, in bathrooms and kitchens, right? For example, um, you would be so shocked and surprised at how many people's piping actually leak underneath a sink, right? So the first thing we do is we run the water, we open the cupboards, we look underneath and we look to verify for leaks. Um, I had one customer's home recently where what we did was we verified a leak wasn't present at the time of inspection, but it was there say six months ago, right? And then when I'm inspecting underneath the room underneath, you see all the water damage in the wall, right? And then you think to yourself, okay, well, this, you add up one, it just adds up to show you really that the um, the leak from upstairs is causing the damage in the floor down, down in the basement. So at that point, you run testing to see is there is there mold that's been airborne? Is it in the floors upstairs? If it is, like you can kind of you can kind of see and repair it. It's a whole different kind of remediation with mold, right? But it's there's a lot of testing and and um, you got to look for the right questions to probe to get to the right answers. Just a few questions left. What's the cost range? What's an idea of the cost? And we're in Canadian dollars here, by the way, for all the Americans listening, just so they can compare if they're looking at other services. What is someone looking at to have you guys or someone like you do this, come in and fully expect the home? Yeah, um, well, absolutely. Depending on the size of the home and the um, location, like a standard home in the greater Toronto area that we do, say, maybe two to 3,000 square feet, we'd be looking at about 500 to $550 for a full home inspection, right? That would cover you for EMFs, right? So with EMFs, that would be RF wireless radiation, the magnetic fields, the electric fields, um, the dirty electricity, and then that's the basic package. And then we also do the body voltage testing as well. The body voltage testing, we add on $100 for that. And that usually takes about an additional 45 minutes to complete on top of the regular inspection. Um, but it is actually something that is very, very highly recommended to do. Um, it really, for, for people that are very concerned about their health, um, body voltage is a very big thing. Um, you mean body as in the people who live in the home, right? And, and what, yeah, can you explain this? Yeah, what do oh, you yeah. do? So body voltage, what we do is we basically hook you up to, so you lie down in your bedroom on your bed and we use the NFA 1000 meter, uh, which is the standard building biology meter for magnetic electric fields. And we use a, um, a, a conductive handle that you hold on to. And we have you plugged into a ground outlet, a receptacle outlet that's grounded. We make sure it's grounded. And then what we do is we basically manipulate the electrical panel to see which breakers in the home or circuits are causing the body voltage testing or the body voltage to be the highest, right? So in other words, if you have 30 breakers on, a, on, a, on an electrical panel, right, that's different circuits that are running throughout the house. I always say the best way to think about this is like a tree outside. A tree has branches, right, that go all over that go in different directions, right? So a, a electrical panel is the same type of thing. Each breaker is a different circuit that controls different areas of the home. 
right? So if you have a if you have a master bedroom and it's above, I've seen so many different things, but it's above a kitchen that has res- high um, has receptacles. It's connected to a refrigerator. It's connected to an air conditioner. Whatever, right? It basically we want to find those circuits and identify them which ones are contributing factors to making your body voltage the highest and then what we do is we use that cutoff switch in the room that turns that breaker off at nighttime right and when you do that it shuts that that section of the house off that instead of your body voltage being at 2500 millivolts brings it down to 300 right ideally we want to be below 100 so we work to get down as low as we possibly can i've had clients that have gotten them down to 23 millivolts or 18 millivolts right so we want to get them as low as we possibly can in that in that scenario so you're figuring out how you would accomplish that by measuring them okay when when you're there and then you're yep. just you're assuming that when you leave and everything's all set up that you've done that they're going to remain at a lower body voltage that's correct. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, different, it's your, it's your environment that you're in at the time of doing the body voltage testing, right? So pretty much typically what we do is we have the client laying on the bed, holding the handle, they're plugged into the outlet. So their body is now grounded, right? So pretty much what it's doing is it's measuring the uh, differential potential, right? And then when they have a cell phone and I'm downstairs at the panel with, with my phone, and basically every time I turn off a breaker, I asked the client, how is the meter reading changing, right? So if it's at 2,500 on a baseline, which is the standard beginning before we shut anything off, each breaker that we turn off may reduce that number, right? So if we have one breaker that we turn off, nothing happens. Next breaker we turn off, nothing happens. The next breaker we turn off, it drops from 2,500 to 1,700, okay? So we record that. And then we go through all the different breakers that are in the panel until we find the one that drops it the most, right? Or maybe it's a combination of one or two breakers, right? Uh, that make that that make that drop. And each each individual like um, kit for the cutoff switches are are usually good for one to two breakers at least. So it, it gives us a bit of uh, flexibility there to to work with. Two questions left. Yeah. Are we getting any help from the government? This looks like this is something that's 100% consumer driven. All of the concern about EMF comes from the private market, as far as I can tell. Does the government care at all? Is there anything in the form of regulations or anything? Because especially in Toronto, it's insane to me how low they're allowed to build these cell phone towers how close they're allowed to build them to homes and they're allowed to put them on top of churches and apartment buildings. And like, there's, it seems to be just the wild west of EMF with absolutely no control from the government. It, is there any governmental concern about this? Is there anything about like living next to high voltage power lines? Is, is anything in the future that might actually reduce our proximity or reduce the ability of other companies to build these massive sources and even things like subway lines and stuff too? You know, I'm concerned I wouldn't live above a subway line. That's going to be my second question of if we could possibly mitigate these massive sources. But what's up with the government? Is there is is there any government concern about this problem? That's a great question, right? And I got to be very carefully how I answer that as well. So 
when it comes down to it, it really is the standards, right, of what is safe, right? And that number changes drastically. I'll give you the perfect example. So I actually had a client recently that was looking to buy a home and they had a, uh, it was right beside power lines and they were very concerned before they spend $1.5 million on a home that they wanted to make sure it was going to be safe for their family. Right. So I came in and I did my testing and we did, when we test for power lines, we do measurements at the base of the power lines. We do measurements in front of the home. We do measurements in each of the different rooms of the home. Um, and all while we turn off the power inside the home, of course, because we want to only see what's coming from the outside. Right. Um, so in that case, I gave my recommendations and we were anywhere between two and four milligos. Right. Um, which in a power field area, right, where there's power lines that are so close by, that's probably approximately what you would expect to get. Right. Um, building biology standards say that we want to really be under one. If I were to go to an average home, even my own home, and walk around with my magnetic field meter, I would probably get readings in most parts of the home about 0.3 of a milligauss. Right. Um, and we were getting anywhere between two and four milligauss in an area like that. So the client had actually called the local utility company. And the local utility company had told them, well, anything less than anything less than 10 milligauss, you're fine. And that just goes back to building biology standards, right? Versus but the government dictates is safe. And of course, the utility companies are going to basically go by what the government says is safe, right? They're not going to go by what building biology says is safe. So that's what it really comes down to. And funny question is when I was actually in my doctor's office and I asked my doctor about electromagnetic fields and I told him what I do. And I asked, actually, before I told him what I do, I asked him, I said, what do you think? Right, just from a doctor perspective, off the books. And he said to me, Not enough studies done. <laughs> right. And I just kind of laughed and I was like, Yeah, it's exactly what I thought he was going to say. Right. And um, really, when it comes down to it, like the, I also work with um, another organization in, in Canada called Canadians for Safe Technology. Right. And they are working on the back end with the counselors and government to basically get um, the recommended safe levels kind of more up to a standard um, in terms of uh, today's technology, right? Because the last time it was actually updated, I believe, was in 2015. Well, think about how much technology has changed uh, since 2015, right? So we're going back about eight years, right? And um, we were probably eight years ago, we were probably what 3G, 4G. <laughs> like it, it's just changed so much since then, right? And um, so, yeah, it's, it's getting back to the standards of what is safe when compared to today's technology. Because even now, with like the whole thing in France with, with Apple and the iPhone 12s, right? And 
um, them finally coming forward and saying, yeah, you know what? There is something here. We, there's something about this phone that's not safe and it's not meeting this, the new requirement standards of what is safe. Right. And, um, all while releasing the iPhone 15. (laughs) So it was like, it was one of those things. And I actually really relate it to, um, the whole thing about uh like within the 70s and 80s when uh tobacco and cigarettes and how how healthy or how dangerous is it to 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 smoke right and they basically all it took was one company to come forward and say hey you know what this is not safe it's dangerous and um it causes cancer and now what do we see on all cigarette packages in every and every tobacco company they have the warnings. This is not safe, right? And that's a, that was a major step in telling people, you know, because if you think about it, and in, in <laughs> back in the sixties and seventies versus today, what is the one thing that people always had in their pockets, in their purses, pack of cigarettes, right? Nowadays, what do people have in their pockets and in their purses? A microwave. And, Exactly. And in their bras, right? Uh, a cell phone, right? So it's, it's really what it, it that's what it comes down to is um, it, it, one company coming forward and saying, this is not safe. Well, in the settings in these phones, most of them, they tell you not to put it to your head. They tell you to keep distance. Yeah, they do. Yeah. But who reads that, right? Well, <laughs> yeah, no, they're protecting their butts in the, for the future lawsuit season. That's going to be mm-hmm. coming around. Um, do you use any protective devices on your phone? I said I have one question left. That's not it. I snuck in a, another question there. Yeah, that's okay. Um, it's uh, I I don't I don't. Um, I mean I I I really 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 struggle to kind of understand how those devices work, right? And to be honest, that kind of stems from my whole background in like building biology because we are trained on removing the source, right? That's the best way to kind of get rid of the source, right? So the best way to get rid of cell phone radiation is to get rid of the cell phone itself, right? Well, I mean, I kind of understand 100% how these things work and don't work. And, um, you know, I, I think when it comes down to it, really, like I think that there are cell phone cases out there that use shielding materials. And I, I, I make those as well, right? I have those as well that I use. I have cell phone pouches with zippers that are actually insulated with RF foil, the same RF foil I use for the modem covers, right? And um, those, yeah, they work. They they work. But these little things that they, these, that people are putting on the back of their phones, Right. I don't know the technology, the engineering behind it. So I will never say it doesn't work. Right. I will never say that because I I don't I'm not associate I'm I'm not familiar with how their product works. Right. That would be the same thing as someone coming forward and saying my modem cover doesn't work. It's up to the manufacturer to prove to the client how their product works. I will never step in and say that doesn't work. Because that's not my product and that's not my my business to say that doesn't work. Yeah, it's a little bit confusing. Quite honestly, I don't really understand them either. I've got like four different devices on my phone and there's yeah. only one that I can find works from muscle tests. 
which is yeah. not a, a meter based thing, you know. No, exactly. Um, I I, th- I think this building biology thing sounds like a really good course. By the way, there's a lot of young people who follow me who don't know what to do in their life. I mean, this sounds like a very viable career in today's world. Cleaning up the mess of the the technological industry. We've got this world that's basically run by tech nerds right now, from the social media companies and the telecom cartels and the governments. You know, they're, they're all just enamored with this technology let's just make everything smart this is amazing we can surveil everything we can turn off everything at will you know we can freeze your bank accounts if you go protest against the truckers and whatever don't we don't mean to get too political here (laughs) but i'm just saying that this that it seems like everyone above us is just loving all this technology and it's those of us the peasants at the bottom that are like hey wait a minute I don't feel so good when I sleep next to this thing. Hey, I don't feel so good when I have this in my, Hey, why are so many women getting uh, lumps and tumors in the breast that they keep their phone, you know, or the, there, this is not like there's an uh, overabundance of tumors that happen. Cancer is still not your number one fear out there, but there seems to be a lot of correlation between tumors showing up where the phone is used most. And we, ha- we are the ones with these concerns. I mentioned that earlier. This is a consumer concern thing. Government doesn't seem to be concerned about it at all. And you gave a very kind of uh, tiptoe answer around it because I think you can you can say that, yeah, there's not much going on from the government. You mentioned a couple of private organizations that are trying to get the government to increase their standards or at least reevaluate their standards. It's not on their end. The government's not coming and saying, hey, whoa, whoa, telecom, let's slow this down a little bit. Hey, whoa, high voltage power lines. Maybe we don't allow them to be built next to schools and all this stuff. It's funny because I think the if you ask yourself what was there first, the power lines or the or the schools, probably the power lines, right? So I think when it comes down to it, it's it's also a big factor for urban planning, right? How we're how we're setting up our cities, right? Are should we really be building beside these power lines, right? I I, I did an inspection and um it was and power lines where the client wanted to buy the home and. When we went to the back of the home, they had this big, huge open field with all, where all the power lines were in a series running one by one by one for miles. And uh, the homeowner actually came to me and, he, and, and the buying the, the buyer and said, oh, yeah, this is awesome. We have this big open field. We throw parties back here. Our kids play here all day long. And when I was taking meter readings, I was getting like 20 milligauss. And I was like, oh, sounds fantastic. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> what was there first, right? The power lines or the house? I have probably the power lines. Probably the power lines. And this is actually my last question. And it's sort of just a broad question. Is it possible to design cities safely? And just before you answer, let me just say, most of my audience knows I'm on the extreme end. I live at the edge of civilization. I don't know if you've ever been up to Kirkland Lake doesn't go much farther north you know a lot of people that i grew up with in toronto they won't even come visit it's too far it's too scary to go all the way up there Mm -hmm. and there is very little up there that is my solution is to leave society and i know that that's not a real solution that's why i talk with people like you because there has to be better ways for us to design this world it can't be the answer that those of us who value our health have to leave society that's such a terrible answer i realize that but from all angles in the city, I find it less healthy. You're dependent on the food system. You're dependent on the municipal water. You're not necessarily in control of the air quality. EMF is everywhere. What are your ideas on what now knowing what you know about safe homes and helping homes get safer? 
what do we do in the, on a societal level? Can we make societies safe? Do we need to tear them down and redesign it? Do these high voltage lines, do they need to go underground? Spitball me some ideas about this. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> when it comes down to it, I don't think any of that's ever going to change until the government kind of stabilizes what is safe, right? Because as far as they're concerned, and as far as the, you know, the, the big telecommunication companies are concerned, we don't need to change anything right it's none of that is going to change until we change how we think about it and you know that's why like the canadian canadian government website um, called safety code six basically dictates everything on what is safe right and that i think just needs to be updated i think that's what they need to do they need to look at what is actually really safe and I mean, I, for, for me, I basically go by building biology standards. That's my training. It's no different than like really what a doctor goes through at medical school on, you know, like what hemoglobin levels are safe or what our cell, you know, white blood cell counts are safe, that kind of thing. Right. Like that, that's our training, right. Is, is, is we're trained on what is safe and there's different levels, right. There's no concern. There's, you know, slight concern. There's, there's extreme. Right. And so that's what we go by. And I'll tell you one thing, it doesn't take much to go from slight concern to to extreme. Um, but what we do is we try to identify the sources that are causing the problem, which is really not a hard thing to do. And then we really look at what is the best way to effectively tackle those levels that are coming through. And a, a lot of the time it's just through sort by elimination. Right. And if you can get rid of all of the wireless devices in our homes and nobody's going to get rid of Wi-Fi, it's almost impossible in this day and age. But if you can cover it with a box that blocks the radiation, right, or with the smart meter, right, that you can shield it so that the it gets reflected away from your home instead of allowing it to penetrate through, then source by source you're going to you're going to reduce your overall amount of emf that is actually coming through and that's like that's what we basically do is first of all we scan floor by floor room by room any identifiable source that's causing a problem and we record that and then we also um, do what we call total measurement total exposure measurements right which basically it's it's just a different kind of antenna that allows you to measure a room 360 degrees versus directional. So we use directional antennas to basically show us uh, where the radiation is coming from, the direction, identifying sources, right? And then we basically do total exposure measurements, which will tell you the amount of radiation 360 degrees that's entering the room. And that's pretty much... Um, we never really talked about this yet, but I always think of it almost like a math equation. Okay. So like when we're talking about wireless radiation, it's everything that's outside of the house that's penetrating through the wall. So that's a plus B, which is all radiation coming from sources inside the home equals C, which is your total exposure measurement. Right. So it's inside plus outside. Right. Because if you think about it on the on our homes, the walls are are basically maybe they have paint on them, EMF paint, or 
maybe they have concrete or 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 metal that is blocking out some of the radiation, but some of it is still getting through, right? Our, if our windows are not covered with an EMF film or our EMF curtain, then it's just blown right through the windows, right? So you can shield those walls all day long. If you don't shield the windows, it's just going to come in the windows. And if you don't shield the floors and you have stuff underneath the room, it's just going to come up through the floors. So that's why we really... Um, we're very thorough in how we, we do these things and we have, we really go floor by floor, room by room to find all the sources. Cause if you find the sources and you eliminate the sources, then it just makes it easier when, as you go through your shielding strategy. Oh, I know we could have covered more too. You just brought in some big ones there, curtains <laughs> yeah, and stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah well, we well, can set up a part two. <laughs> yeah, this this has been really, really great. I thank you so much. I'm going to have all of your information in the description of this podcast, audio, whoever's listening, audio, and video, whoever's watching video. And I'm going to do an intro, outro here after this. But tell us more. How how can people get in contact with you? And I, I did kind of ask, but I didn't really ask. Do you only service Ontario? Yeah, right now that's we're only servicing Ontario right now. Yeah, but I mean, in the future we are looking to expand absolutely, even into the neighboring you know, states and provinces that we have. Like, everyone needs this. Everyone needs this. Yeah, yeah no, hundred percent. And you know what? I mean, um, we're always willing to uh, do everything we can to help those that are in need. So, yeah, cool. Hopefully, there's some yeah. other. Um, businesses too that maybe want to uh, partner up sounds like there's some expertise here that can can definitely expand into other territories for sure yeah for sure so what's the best way for people to set up consultations and stuff with you uh yeah absolutely if you go to our website at safeguard-solutions.ca there's a contact message page there you can just um you can fill that out it comes directly to our email or you can also email me at mike M-I-K-E at Safeguard, S-A-F-E-G-U-A-R-D dash solutions. It's Safeguard dash solutions dot C-A. Very cool. And I want to get a couple of things for you. I go back to Ontario late next month. I would love that uh, Wi-Fi cover and the... Yeah, uh, absolutely. The- so we ship, we actually ship them as well. We ship uh, to the U.S. and we ship all across Canada. Uh, with UPS, Pure Leader, whoever, right? Uh, I have accounts set up, so we take care of that. Um, really, all we need for that is we would need the dimensions because everything is customized, right? It's a custom order. Okay. So we custom order according to size of your modem and also the color. So we wrap these modems in fabric, uh, which is a cotton fabric. Um, for breathability, it's better. And um, the I'll never forget the very first modem cover I sold. It was actually to a, um, a lady and we brought it there. And um, what was happening there was her dog was actually very, very sensitive to the Wi-Fi. And um, they just switched the modem. And the uh, I got there and the dog was just, just quivering. And um, she said, that's great. The modem cover works awesome. I showed her exactly how it worked. But she said it's a bit of an eyesore because it, an RF foil is, is bare. Right. It's silver. It's metal. It's shiny. Right. So that's when I came up with the idea to actually wrap it in a cotton fabric. And so clients will call me to say, Mike, these are my dimensions. I want I want I want gray or Mike. These are my dimensions. I want brown. Right. 
And so we customize the color as well as the size. And these are not just for modem covers. I do a lot of custom fitting for wireless speakers or um, other devices, Google Google Home devices, right? Where people want to want to shield that. Then we. That's why I was saying we sh- we basically we we customize for all different kinds of uh, scenarios. You have any other products that you didn't mention? Like you got the dirty electricity filter. Uh, yeah, actually, covers. one that I'm just about ready to launch. I just sent it through to our professional photographer for pictures. Um, uh, another big problem outside of the modem covers for RF radiation is um, for baby monitors. Right, so baby monitors give off a ton of radiation, and all these videos are on our Instagram page. So, um, what we did was we basically came up with a cover for the um, the baby monitor, and um, the only thing that's really different different from it being from the modem is that um, you need a window, right, for the actual baby monitor to see out into the room. So what we did was we actually used a uh, window film, a double layer of window film to make that window. And so it is very effective because we use the same RF foil uh, that we use for the modem covers. And it, it were, it's very, very effective at shielding the baby modem. But yeah, that's another product that we just we just launched. Yeah, it's very important. We're going to have to do a part two at some point because there's a bunch yeah. of questions that I still have about more nitpicky things about different types of devices in our lives. But yeah, I think we should realize yeah. anything wireless, it's kind of one of the big messages here. Anything wireless is going to be a problem. These are all things that we invite into our home. And so getting rid of them is the best thing here. And yeah, yeah. do you have any Do you have any closing advice for the people? Yeah, absolutely. Um just be open, open to education on this subject, because I would say at least half of the people that I talk to, their response and reaction to it is, oh, come on, we've been living like this for years and years and years. And the answer to that is, yeah, but how well have we been living with this for years and years and years? And that's why really, I think it doesn't take much to tweak the way that we live and to make things better and to make things healthier, right? And we just have to be open to the conversation. And a lot of times after I show how this works and show people, that's why I do so many demonstration videos on social media and stuff, because unless people actually see how this stuff works and the and the dangers that the, it actually brings upon us, right? If you think about it, we have meters in our home. We have for smoke and carbon monoxide, Right. Smoke and carbon monoxide are two things that are that could be deadly. EMFs are you can't see them, and we don't have meters set up for that, right? So if we can have, but it's just is EMFs are at high levels are just as dangerous, right? Maybe not deadly right away, but they impact us on levels that really dehabilitate us. And a lot of times um, when I was doing my training in building biology, we did it all down in um, North Carolina. So um, a a lot of the, a lot of the the people that were there attending, they, they didn't own businesses. They weren't inspectors, right? They were just your average person that were looking to find ways to be able to cope in society 
and to be able to live with how our environments are changing. And these were people that they couldn't walk into a room full of technology. They can't. They, they could, as soon as they walk into a room, it's like when you walk into a room and you smell a pizza, these individuals could walk into a room and they could tell right away there's, there's, there's Wi-Fi in here, right? There's the electric fields are too high. There's mold. These people, they, they're very sensitive. So their, their intuition to it is, is much higher than the standard, standard average persons. And they say um, there's a term for people that are sensitive from EMFs and it's, it's actually titled uh, electromagnetic hypersensitivity or EHS. And they say that 97% of people cannot feel it and do not, do not recognize it um, when they walk in a room, but there's 3% who suffer from EHS. And those are the people that can, that can tell right away something's off. So be aware, be open to learning about it. This problem's not going away. It is everywhere. We got to do something about it. There's several solutions. On the video version of this, which will probably only be on Patreon, by the way, for the audio listeners, you can always go on the Patreon for two bucks and see all the extra content there. I am probably going to put in a bunch of your videos on that video version as well. Because, yeah, they are very enlightening to just straight up see this is what our common devices are doing. And there are some simple ways to cover that up. So, Mike, I thank you so much for being here. I appreciate your time more than I can say. And I do hope we do a part two one day. I'm going to put all your information in the descriptions wherever this is posted. And I hope you have a great day. Thank you again. Absolutely. You as well. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to uh, get the word out. Of course. And I hope that uh, more people take up your service because we absolutely need this. I don't know of any others in Ontario at least that are this thorough. I've seen some other ones. And the reason I didn't I didn't uh, even want to really talk to them is because they just, they didn't seem like they were going the full extra mile in what they're yeah, doing. No, and you, you were actually recommended to me by some of your clients. So. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, that you do. You do good right. work. I'm <laughs> sure you do. So once again, thank you. Thank everybody else. Appreciate that. Take care. Take care. Have a great evening. You too. All right, guys, I do appreciate you listening to this episode. If you'd like to support this episode directly, we do have a Patreon page, patreon.com slash the real not us. It's really the real notice. Notice is my graffiti name, by the way, if you didn't know, little secret behind the scenes thing here. When I first started this online stuff, I really didn't think out the names all too well. And we had a hard time coming up with names for like our food account, so it was called notice foods but i didn't realize that we'd be doing podcasts and a lot of this would be audio and i do understand that notice is spelled not us so i just say not us so patreon.com slash the real not us and the real not us is also my youtube channel my personal youtube channel i actually posted this video version to youtube and when the video versions of these podcasts are available i do post them to patreon all the episodes are available on Patreon one week early, at least one week early. And there's a little bit of exclusive content there, especially the weekly Zoom meetings that I do with our nutrition distributors. So we go kind of deep dive into a lot of nutrition stuff that isn't going to go anywhere else. 
And I do appreciate that, even though I have some companies to recommend and some products to sell here. Nobody has ever paid me to read an ad or anything like that. I'm open to that in the future as long as it's a good business, good product, good service. But for right now, we're demonetized pretty much everywhere. We have no ad revenue or anything like that. And if I do get any money, it's for commission. So patreon.com slash the real not us really is the most direct way to support the content production. And either way, I appreciate it. You could also share this podcast if you feel you get value from it. Share it with other people. Remember that there is an archive on my website, notusbooks.org. We did get taken down before. The tech companies, they hate health information. They do not want you to have health information. So if we ever disappear one day, you should know. You should have this written down or bookmarked that... You can always find these podcasts on the archive, notusbooks.org. Of course, you can also find there the books that I've written, the free audiobook versions, hundreds of book reviews, all of my social media accounts, and more. And by the way, in my two main health books, I did include an EMF chapter because I know that it's very important, first of all, and second of all, it's often left out of the conversation when people are talking about health and nutrition. Again, health is not all nutrition. We didn't go into the health consequences in this podcast. We were just talking about the sources and what to do about it. But I promise you it is a health problem. You cannot be 100% healthy if you do not take EMF into account. And so with that being said, I do challenge you to reduce the EMF in your home especially. Your home should be your sanctuary. You may not be able to control what you're exposed to at work on your way to work or when you're out there in the real world but you can control your home you can reduce your exposure in your home anything that you own that has bluetooth capabilities i would personally recommend throwing that out i've been a big advocate of canceling your phone bill and living only on wi-fi or ethernet because i don't appreciate these telecom cartels putting up cell phone towers everywhere and they're not going to stop unless we stop paying them and on a personal social note I've really begun to hate how much the cell phones and all this stuff has infiltrated our lives. I can't stand being in a room with someone when they're on a phone. Why even come over to my house? I don't want to sit with you. Go to your own house and sit on Instagram. I don't mean to sound like I'm on a high horse or something, but I work on the phone and I really love leaving my phone at home when I go to the grocery store or whatever. Go out shopping, go out for a walk in the woods. I don't pay cell phone service, so I don't need my phone with me, and it's just great to be away from it. I challenge you to go over to someone's house and just have dinner with them, just hang out with them without your phone there at all. You don't need your phone with you all the time. We didn't used to need these things. We didn't used to get distracted every 35 seconds from a notification. And as I've been talking about this more, many people have reached out and even been like, hey, you know, I hear what you're saying, and it actually kind of scares me to be without my phone for a little while. Well, this tells you it's an addiction. People will go on about the benefits of the internet, and I'm not going to disagree with all of it, but don't let that be an excuse for it taking over your life. Try it. Try going out without the phone. Try hanging out with people without the phone. Try going out to dinner without the phone. Try unplugging your Wi-Fi, not just at night, but at like 5 p.m., after dinner, before dinner. Spend some time without it. Read a book. Knit a sweater. 
whatever it is, I encourage you to reduce your dependence on this technology and reduce your overall exposure to EMF. And that's enough of a rant for today. Those of you who are listening on the archive, stick around. There's a special treat for you at the end. For everyone else, I appreciate you. Stay healthy, my friends. Until next time. I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.